Hello world, this is TJ Marks and you're listening to ET Radio. Welcome aboard all you ground troops spinning around smartly on the planet. I'm really excited. I'm bringing this to you brought by American Communications Online, our ACO association with others under our banner, our flag. We've been here since June 3rd, 2012, and coming up on June 3rd, 2019 will be seven years. So I'm excited to celebrate our anniversary. And uh, we've got, let me see, do I have, I've got Ken R. Johnston listed here. He'll be calling here a few minutes. He's out of the Albuquerque, New Mexico region district, and he is one of our solar ambassadors. And uh, I'm your Cosmos ambassador, and we advertise that on our website for about a year now with Allied Command. But we're coming out to share who we are and why we are. And uh, Mad Painter is bringing on another Revolution Radio Network uh, host like him and like Janet Carol Lesson that runs Korean Radio. So Korean Radio, we appreciate. They do uh, marketing and advertising with us since the beginning on uh, the shows. And uh, like we say Mike Ringley does with freedomslips.com. So uh, we're all working together as a syndication group under the headline of ACO Network, ACO Club, no, ACO Radio dot Club, (laughs) and ACO Out, and uh, American Communications Online is my big company, and my banner runs TJ Morris, ACIR, and ACO, and I use an acronym for a lot of things, including my group, Advisory Council Intergalactic Relations. Ken is going to come on and talk about the uh, job he had as Solar Ambassador for NASA in and out of country. So that should be interesting. And uh, Ahmed Painter has agreed as of uh, today to help me for the next three years as director for my company, ACO, with Ken R. Johnston. So that's exciting. Ken was uh, with us from back in the day, and uh, we have a history all the way back to NASA, but uh, we found out a lot of the paths we crossed growing up and similarities, including the ministry and education for the government in uniform and out. And I'm trying to pull up a mad painter here (laughs) as soon as I can find the station again. It went away, and I don't know why. Oh, wait, I think I saw a little black dot down here. But, uh, Ahmed, I saw you, and uh, Brian did call in. So let's see here if I can find where we are to get started. And I'm paying extra money, so I don't have to load this onto YouTube. It's actually going. There's Ahmed. Okay, call ended. I guess his network is dropping. Uh, But we will get started here as soon as I can find my network association is Blog Talk Radio out of New York, and uh, Mr. Levy owns that. And uh, we actually go through Washington, not the city, D.C., but uh, Washington State, I've noticed a lot of times. So you never know where our, I guess, in the cloud is running, but I will uh, be talking to you myself and blogtalkradio.com, and we have forward slash TJ Morris ET Radio for seven years now. And uh, 
we got started with a lot of great people in paranormal and ufology and alienology and just talking about all kind of things. Uh, we've got a Allied Command Org tonight with the UFO Association Org. And believe it or not, we had AlienCon last night. I have AlienCon.org on the website. And our conscious humanoid beings sharing pure consciousness and grouping reality into organizations of co-creations. Now we're setting up our Ohana thoughts and consciousness, co-creating and sharing. And my daughter that passed away, Ginger Teresa Parrish, she was known as Ginger Bowers in the uh, Cancer Center Societies with the Nordics. Uh, we're signing member numbers and we're having the original planning committee and uh, starting all over again in 2019 to get organized. And uh, right now, let me see if I can pull my studio back on. And uh, Ahmad's been having a lot of trouble lately, but let's see if this is him. Ahmad Painter, is that you? I am here. Yay, can you okay. Hear me? I don't know. I can, and I don't know where. Uh, Ken is. Uh, he tried to send me a, a text earlier, but I'll let you, if you don't mind, introduce yourself. And uh, you're bringing on another Revolution Radio uh, host. So can you uh, introduce yourself? Uh, and I'm going to have to call Ken real quick. I don't know if he thinks you're getting on Skype or what, because he's been talking to me all day, and he talked to you too. So uh, he was out doing things, but uh, I'll see if I can't raise him up here. Would you be so kind as to introduce yourself and our guest? And there's Brett Leader. i got to get him off of here. But go ahead, and I'll, I'm going to well, mute for a minute. The short of it is I'm just an old hippie you know, who's uh, looking to find the truth. Uh, I'm not one of these uh, people who can say they've seen UFOs or uh, contacted aliens or anybody like that. Uh, I'm just very uh, inquisitive about the idea. I want to find out as much information I, as I can about it, and um, hopefully it'll help form my own opinion. But right now it's it's sitting at the point where I believe there are aliens, even if I haven't seen any. So <laughs> I'm a radio host. I'm a producer, a manager at uh, Revolution Radio, and uh, one of our other hosts here at the station has uh, got quite a bit of knowledge about UFOs that I found out recently. And he had actually had the biggest meetup group in Vancouver, Canada, for shoot about a decade, from what I understand. And I thought he'd just bring in some uh, good information to us, and uh, maybe we can learn something about ourselves in the process of it. So, how are you doing this evening, uh, Brian? Well, I'm doing good here. I'm in Vancouver. Yeah, I had actually the third largest meetup UFO meetup group in North America since 2009. Well, it was even bigger than I thought then. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, what's the biggest common denominator that there is when there's, uh, people are contacted uh, by UFOs in your experience? Oh, wow. I think uh, perhaps it's uh, consciousness. Like I met uh, Grant Cameron. He said... Um, 40 years ago, when he got into UFOs, he was more into the nuts and bolts of uh, flying saucers, but now he realizes it's more about uh, consciousness. And I have a, a Buddhist worldview as well. I think uh, that's, uh, that's kind of the interface. Like some people can see UFOs and some can't. It might be because of their, their frequency or their, their level of mind or vibration or whatever. 
Um, and there's uh, one possibility, two major sort of theories within ufology. They could be like higher realm beings, like angels or devas, which sort of pop up and we see them, which explains why some UFOs change shape or some could be spaceships from other planets. But uh, consciousness seems to be a big part of it, I think. Well, I, I find that interesting because personally, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I have a problem with, uh, uh, how would I say it, mediums, because we really don't know where that's coming from. You know, I mean, it could be a, a yeah. jump, it could be alien, could be demonic. We just have no proof, regardless of what they say. Of course, they're going to tell that medium, you know, I, oh, I'm, I'm from the great, I'm, I'm the good, you know. But how do we know that they are or they ain't? Well, I think you're right about that. Like, I wrote a book, uh, Freeing the Buddha, my chapter on how to invoke devas. I have all these warnings from great gurus like Sri Aurobindo saying, like, nine times out of ten, you're going to get mendacious advice, like false advice from the higher realms if you're channeling. So that's true. But um, I think in terms of actual uh, UFO contact or UFO sightings, um, it relates to conscious. But in terms of uh, channeling, yeah, you really don't know what you're getting. I know the Buddha advised against channeling. <laughs> it's really not part of what he taught because a lot, a lot of people do it anyway. I kind of shy away from any kind of channeling because of it, you know. I just, I'm not sure, you know. It just kind of freaks me out to hear somebody, you know, tell me that they're channeling this or they're channeling that. Yeah, I would take it with a grain of salt, Yeah. <laughs> Well, how, how often did y'all meet? We would generally meet every um, every other week. We started I started actually right in my apartment. In fact, June the third is my tenth anniversary, which is just like uh, three days from now. Tenth anniversary, my very first meeting. We had thirteen people met in my apartment as immediate success, and one of the meeting members lived in a co-op, which had a big meeting room that could seat forty people. So we typically had like twenty people at a meeting, sometimes twenty-five. Um, yeah, we would meet every two weeks. We had you know, guest speakers. We had like Bud Hopkins, one of his last talks before he died was uh, on an iPhone to one of our subjects here, Doug. He was like a subject of, of Bud Hopkins. And um, Doug was a real alien abductee. He had lots of really negative experiences about it. So uh, Bud Hopkins gave a talk to our group. We had a, various ufologists would come, like Alfred Lambermont Weber came to my group. He lives here in Vancouver. He was a, so it was a real education for us. Wow. I produced for him for a little while at Revolution Radio when he was there. Uh, were they more uh, the abduction? Were there, were more people had positive experiences than negative, or were they pretty much equal? Or um, I'd say they're kind of equal. Another fellow, Al, who lives here, um, Al Matthews, he allows us to use his name. He had some negative experiences. Um, or strange experiences. Another woman, Sasha, was, was reasonably good. Like as a as a child, her and her sister would get abducted, but wasn't bad. Um, you know, this other woman, she's got two twin boys about um, 12 years old, and I met them, and he said, I go to an alien hospital, and he goes to an alien school. Like he'd get abducted regularly, I guess several times every week. He lives just somewhere here in the city. I won't, won't say where. I'm protecting their privacy. So actually talk to these twin boys, it, it's amazing. So um, his experiences weren't bad. So you get a, a mixed, mixed variety. So I really got to know about 10 actual abductees. It took me a while uh, to accept the whole reality of alien abduction. I remember where I was walking in 2009, I decided this is true, this is real. 
but I, I didn't believe it right away. You know, I guess my my education began with YouTube videos. I had an obsession with UFOs since 2007, so that, that's how I got started. I've I've been obsessed since the 60s personally. Oh. I used to, yeah, it was it was hard back then. You didn't have the internet, and if you really wanted any information, you had to go to a library. Hopefully, they had the book, and if they didn't, then you had to try and get some kind of exchange program going with another library in order to even get a, a copy of a book to read. Yeah. And uh, today, you got they got all that at their fingertips. Yeah. A man. Yeah, maybe I'm lazy. I need the internet. Go ahead, TJ. Uh, Ken's here, so I want to introduce uh, – Ken, would you introduce yourself? This is the Mads co-host for tonight. Go ahead, Ken. Oh, I've been sitting back just patiently uh, listening, and uh, I was going to tell you, as far as when you made first made contact, mine goes all the way back to I was like in the uh, third grade, and um, this was in a little town called Hart, H-A-R-T, Hart, Texas, population only 560 back in 19 19- – 40, good grief, let me think, in 1940, uh, 48, I guess 46, 48, someplace in there. And um, we had a, a tremendous thunderstorm and the lightning flashes and everything. You used to love to curl up in the window and put your feet in and just look out and watch all the, the lightning. Well, in the morning, we got a call from a neighbor, closest neighbor a mile and a half away. He said, did you see the lightning that struck just out past your house? And my stepdad, TC, said, well, no, but we'll go check it out. So. He sent my two brothers, older than me, A.R. and Jimmy. I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought I was okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> now you're muted now. <laughs> um, so I, I went out. We, we rushed out across the little dirt road and across the street and out into the field of maize. And there was this area. It looked like it's probably, I would estimate, it had to be at least uh, – 50 feet across or more circular where the maze all smashed down. And there was this bird standing on the far side, um, which was actually a hooping crane. They stand up about four feet tall, as tall as I am. And when I, I got there, it turned its head, looked at me, turned its head back forward, took about three or four steps, opened its wing, and then uh, jumped up into the air and disappeared. Well, a year and a half ago, two years ago, Dr. Sasha Lesson did a hypnotic regression session on me. He said, what did the bird look like? And he says, what's it doing? I said, uh, it's it's unzipping its front, and the feathers all fell away, and it was a gray. So that was one of my first contacts with extraterrestrials way back in my childhood. And I got to, since I was the, I'm the only surviving one of that family, um, it's interesting that our contacts, and we've been contacted at various times throughout our life, and because of the um, um, clearances and everything I had, I never came forward with any information until just recently when I published my uh, first first uh, first book on uh, uh, hypnotic regression. So, uh, yeah, it's there's a lot of good information. People are willing to come forward now and talk about things like that. Back to you. Well, uh, I don't know if Ken said it, but Ken used to be an astronaut for Grumman, right? Yeah, it was Grumman. We were we were the civilian astronauts, and our job was testing the lunar modules and the vacuum chambers, being sure everything worked and tested out good, and then help train the regular NASA astronauts so they could fly it and go to the moon. And uh, we were excited. It was I was as happy of being part of the team a little over three thousand hours as a, a lunar module spacecraft pilot. So it's kind of fun back in those young days. 
So, well, uh, Brian, you got some questions you'd like to ask Ken uh, about how he uh, got where he is? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by the um, the gray experience. So, uh, so how old are you? And you say this gray was disguised as a heron, and he unzipped the heron suit, and you saw that he was a gray. But not not a, a a whooping crane, a whooping crane. I guess you might call it. A oh, yeah, whooping crane. Yeah, yeah it um, definitely. I got I had did a lot of research to knowing exactly what it looked like, and then finally, and when I was still younger too, uh, we figured out, and even talked to my stepdad there. That's when the whooping cranes were still fairly plentiful back in those days. They they almost got wiped out as a species. So um, yeah, it it was real, and um, that's part of why I guess. Um, it, it was able to send out a signal and give you a different impression of what you were looking at. And then the, thanks to hypnotic regression, I think it go back and clear out some of the cobwebs that have been planted in, in your mind. And uh, I mean, I can visually close my eyes and think about what it looked like way back then. Cause see, I was born in 1942 and I had to be mm-hmm. in the uh, uh, third grade. So you're going to have to add, uh, see, so that must've been about 1948. Would be my guess. It was it was right after the Roswell incident. Wow. Uh, so did you have recurring experiences? I'm wondering, like people who get that close, and often they have recurring experiences again and again, and they might not even remember. Yes, the, the answer is yes. Uh, quite a lot of times in my life, I did that. Um, this and about another. See, that would have put me I'm trying to think of what grade I was in there at heart. I was in the. Um, fifth grade so that was probably only about another three or four years um we had um oh geez your your question was the experience i had with with the, the extraterrestrials was that question now let me let me ask for a little forgiveness here because thanks to people who drive around and use their cell phones and and do things like that while they're driving it's dangerous because we had a woman rear-ended us just barely over a year and a half ago and it, it the slamming back against the seat caused a little frontal frontal lobe in my brain that drainage and uh, whenever I'm talking sometimes I will forget exactly what the question was all you got to do is tell me what the question was and then I'll flash back it's taking uh, it'll take a couple of years to get that all cleared up but it, it's a real frustration when you're trying to communicate with somebody and then all of a sudden you, you go blank and say oh what the hell was I just talking about and I apologize about that but it's what happens well, you're doing fine you're doing fine drink and drive <laughs> go ahead now what was the question again I'm sorry <laughs> Yeah, I just thought, uh, I just immediately oh. thought about recurring experiences. Like, like I know people who've been abducted; they tend to get abducted regularly, like sometimes yes. every month, you know. So, so I'm just you're interested in your other experiences after that when okay. you're like six or seven. You got me back on track here. Um, the little town of Hart uh, had a his school was uh, kindergarten, grade school, junior high, and high school, all in one big building, and say 560 people. Um, in, in this would have been in the fifth grade, sixth grade. Um, there was a we lived a, a block away from where the school was in town because a lot happened between those moving around the stepdads and all that. But um, there was a lot of commotion going on in the field between our house and the the big green elevators there in the little town. And um, we got out and, w- and walked over in the area, and there were a bunch of people got in there. This craft had landed, and basically, it, you're going to call it a flying saucer. It was a spacecraft, and um, everybody was all kind of hovered around it. Looking at the craft, it looked like wavy lines, like um, it was trying to um, shield whatever was there so that no one could 
get in and get hurt. And the, the door opened, and and the and the and a ramp came down from it on the side, and this fairly tall, almost human-looking, uh, I'm say man person, came walking down the steps, and uh, people started backing up, and I'm standing there. As I say, this was only probably a football field away from our house, and and this person pointed over, pointed at me, and when he pointed his finger, people just started backing up and. And some of them ran to their cars and disappeared. And I just walked right over to the, the ramp area because there are other events that had happened in my life. I wasn't afraid. And uh, the the wavy lines that were guarding the craft kind of made a little like a shower curtain areas where I could walk straight in. And I walked in and uh, the, the person that was, had pointed and signaled me to come in, pointed me to use the steps. I went up on the inside. And as I'm going up the steps inside, uh, they were kind of like a railing around the edge where the track, uh, the step la- steps would take you up into the craft. They were um, uh, there were beings leaning over, and they were all applauding and welcoming me in into the craft. And this was when I kind of went blank. And it wasn't until the hypnotic regression that I found out that happened many times uh, throughout the next 20 years of my life, where I would be picked up, taken to wherever it was, and go through some training programs and those things are things that kind of led me in the right direction. I was never afraid of being involved in our space travel or part of our space program. And um, it's, it's, you, you, I think you're absolutely quite right because of the people that I met, they were basically like going to a, a school, but then in another, um, another planet or what have you and wherever it was. And so this is all starting to come out now in the, that book of mine and, so people will be able to read it firsthand, and you know, we'll go from there. And it's going... amazing, yeah. And uh, Brian, uh, Ken happens to own the only known copies of all moon mission photographs that exist. Oh, oh wow! Not wow! Only copies. I was fortunate after we finished testing all the lunar modules. Um, Grumman, let's see. No, NASA came back, and after Apollo 11 landed. And said, okay, we're no longer doing your research and development going to the moon. This is going to be the routine missions to the moon. And consequently, Grumman connected all the other subcontractors nationwide, um, had to do a cutback. They would cut back nearly a um, couple thousand employees. And so I, I went from, oh, I had gone from the vacuum, uh, vacuum chamber test facility over to um, Building 7 where the astronauts they were on the third floor, and I was on the second floor, and our job was to – I was helping to develop the program for the Skylab that we had, and uh, I so I took a, a vacation for a week while Apollo 11 was uh, on the flight there and came back. And I went in my office, and um, my boss says, well, while you were gone, they canceled your contract, and you don't have a job. And so they gave me a week's uh, pay, and they gave me um, – uh, and then they gave me another week's pay of vacation to allow me to go and find another job. Well, in two days, I had a job at the Lunar Receiving Laboratory where I then caught the Apollo 11 astronauts uh, after they returned to the Earth and were put in quarantine. But that's where I started what was called the Data and Photo Control Department, which meant I worked directly with the director of the a photo lab that NASA had at the Johnson Space Center. And uh, with scientists wanting some of the sample, the rocks that came back from the moon and, and the photos of where it would be, well, I maintained in my my um, uh, I had I had four uh, technical people, most of them women, who were transcribing 
the um, tests and the analysis of the various lunar samples and putting them in, uh, publishing it in in the, the the book that showed what the samples and things were they were looking at, which is another whole story to get into. But what uh, what I did there is every time we had a request from one of the scientists wanting a picture of their lunar sample laying on the lunar surface, I had gone to the each one of the missions as they would happen, and I would get uh, five sets of um, all of the photos that were taken during the missions, as well as the film. And um, I had filing cabinets that lined the walls, probably 15 different filing cabinets with folders that had a special – by the way, anybody who shows you a picture – of something on the moon or in space, and it doesn't have up in the top left corner the the NASA photo number of that specific frame. You can just about get that guess that it's been tampered with, either enlarged or doctored up. But anyway, so these people would uh, come in and uh, okay after Apollo 11, and um, I had Apollo 11, 12, 13, 14 in my files. Uh, we got the direction from NASA headquarters that. Um, that one of my boss came and said, I'm willing to, to to dispose of all but one set. That's all we need is just keep one set here. And I said, and I argued with him. I said, hey, these universities, you know, they're teaching the science departments. You know, they deserve them. These are, these are, were paid for by our tax dollars. And he argued with me. He said, no, I don't. And here was the key that I used to be safe. He said, I don't care what you do. Just get rid of all but one set. So I did. I took three sets out of the filing cabinets and we took them out the back of the lunar receiving number, dumped them in the density dumpster. And there was, there've been a couple of people that did find a lot of those pictures and saved them. But Mike, I kept out of the five sets, three of them went in the density dumpsters. One of them I kept in my files, like from six filing cabinets down to only two. Um, those I kept in their folders and their files. And that fifth one I, I took home that night when I was working late kept them in a duffel bag, and actually I locked them up inside of the um, air conditioner vent we had back in those days in the house. It just I was just something told me it, that I needed to just hang on to them, and, and then a couple of years later when we were finishing up in um, Apollo 14, 15, 16, um, you can call them men in black if you want to. They were going around to various people that were had connections with photos and, and documents and, and how we uh, – ma- uh, uh, schematics and drawings about how we created the spacecraft that went to the moon and all. And they came to my house and asked me if I had it. I said, no, those were all kept there at the photo lab and everything, so they just left me alone. And then uh, several years later when I moved away from Houston and went to work up in Denver for a while and then out the Peacekeeper missiles out at um, uh, Vandenberg Air Force Base, and then finally I got picked up by by Boeing as a 737 uh, airliner flight instructor for the for the pilots that flew the fly the 737 still today, but anyway, so we had I had all of these pictures, and uh, when the man by the name of Richard C. Hoagland uh, had was publishing information and said, if there's anybody out there has any more information, and I can still say the same thing now, records or information that might bring more truth and stuff to what took place during our space program. Uh, they need to come forward while they can because there were stories of people who said that you know they wouldn't come forward or somebody said they knew them. And these people would either have diseases, they would die, car accidents, all kinds of things. So it was a little unsafe to come forward. But I went to that meeting, and um, Mr. Hoagland came out to meet me, 
and he he asked what it was. The next day, he came with four other people to my house, and they looked over everything, and they were flabbergasted because they had been looking at uh, doctored up pictures, but that you could see some evidence of things. So they would go directly to those pictures and look at the real ones from the original negatives on mine, and they were just flabbergasted. He said, "We've got to protect you." So they two days later, I went with them to Washington D.C. to the National Press Club that they had a big oh a big shindig if you want to call it a, a housing of of news press from all over the world were there, and we when it came to me, I I gave them a story about where the uh, pictures came from and documentation and records and things that I had kept, and that's the only protect thing that protected me because, uh, like Mr. Hogan said, you know if you go forward, then you've already put all the information out there, and then I did that to Roswell at the UFO Research Center and Museum, and I gave them a complete digital copy of everything. So if you want to say damage done, let's say that the truth was out. And uh, they basically would have to kind of take care of me because if they killed me or bumped me off or did something, uh, you know, the people would say, what in the heck did you do to Ken Johnston? Because he was coming out with all the truth. That kind of brings you up to date. And now I'm using hypnotic regression to try to fill in some of the blanks in there. And the uh, documents, the pictures and records are available, I guess, um, on my website and the um, UFO, not UFO, on the uh, uh, archives, Ken Johnson's archives are to the um, uh, Roswell, New Mexico UFO Museum and Research Center. So it's available to the world, and the information's out there. And I'm I'm glad I finally did what my mother said. Says if you have anything that's important to you, might save it because then you're it might be very important to other people. And uh, I did what my mom told me, and I saved them, and now it's out to the world. Either the truth is out there. Check it out. That's my story. I want to ask, what was their motive in, in destroying all these photos, or what was their official reason? Um, the official reason that I was given when I asked him, I said, you know, he told me just to get rid of them, dump them. <clears throat> and that's when I argued with him about giving them to the universities and their science departments. And he says, no, we just want you to get rid of all but one set. And it was, I argued, it, it, it really, to me, was kind of evidence that the, they either were going to get rid of my job, they didn't want to have them around, and, and since they were in charge of the uh, LRL, Lunar Receiving Laboratory, uh, they needed more space and needed to get kick me out of my room and, and my filing cabinet. So there weren't any really good reasons other than the fact we were told that we don't need them, and that was his only answer. We don't need but one set, and they can come and see those pictures. We didn't have digital copy stuff back in those days. That was before you know, the cell phones. Uh, that's the only answer I have for you. Is it there? I was told it. Well, just we need the space. We need to get rid of everything but one set. And I did. Except for the set. It makes me wonder I, if they're trying to hide something. Like maybe oh, like the, the the theories that they're faked or they're fake photographs or something. Maybe they're trying to hide. A lot of the pictures that he has show, you know, bases or remnants of what might have been some kind of uh, ancient society there. Wow. Yes, absolutely. Really? Wow. That's they, you find a lot of information on these pictures. Now they were very highly digitized. Every one I, I did, I digitized them in high resolution. So a lot of people, and I didn't go out and scan and try to find anything particular. I left that up to other people that wanted to do the research. And people contacted me for quite a few years saying, oh, my God, did you look at this picture, such and such mission, and the flight number and the frame number? And 
And I said, well, I haven't really paid that much attention. I, I wasn't doing the research. I was doing, you know, teaching 737 pilots how to fly the airplanes and stuff until I retired from there. Hey, I'm just only 77 years old now. I'm still a kid, so we've got a long ways to go. And the truth's out there. It's just people got to know where to look to find it. Well, that's, that's what we're here for is to uh, help bring out this kind of truth, and that's why it's important to talk to uh, as many people as we can about this stuff. Uh, the more people we get uh, coming our way, the bigger we can build this and uh, really make something of it. We'll arrive on MUFON eventually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a problem, I'm, and I could be wrong on this, that MUFON has been pretty well – uh, let's see, it reined in, like if you're riding a horse, and they get controlled pretty much by the government and the agencies that uh, you're not really it, – It's some of the people won't even go to MUFON because they they could be um, – people say, well, that person's a lunatic. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So I've had him attack me, um, James Oberg, who was – I thought he was a friend when I was in Building 7 at the uh, Astronaut Building. Uh, he had a little – a little tiny office about the size of a, 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 a room for one little desk and one chair for a guest. And it was probably a mop closet at one time. Anyway, um, he and I would sit and talk about um, outer space and different things. And once I came forward, he went out attacking me. He almost got me killed in, when I was visiting in India because India has the uh, ISIS people, uh, enemies there. And I was giving lectures at colleges, and um, when I was sent to the States, did a conference there, and then flew back to India, the uh, director, assistant director of the science of India and Chunai, 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 anyway, uh, they came uh, out to where I was up in the mountains and uh, took me downtown, took me down to the airport out on dirt road, took me into the airport to a holding container, handed me a a airline ticket and said leave and don't come back <laughs> so uh, that was pretty risky about 36 hours my wife had no idea whether I was dead or alive since then I, I have a plaque on my my wall here in my little room that uh, was an apology that they didn't check out who this guy was that was accusing me of not telling the truth that I was a liar that the information I said was was not true and but then once the people check it out and find out the evidence is there I mean why would I have to lie about it when we have the, the actual documents and records themselves? Anyway, so I'm hoping that uh, Oberg and the rest of them have either passed away or left or leave me alone and, and let the rest of the world get get a chance to take a look at what's really been going on between humans here on the planet Earth from way back in ancient history up to modern time and to, to what's going on right now. And it's time of what I'm calling a full disclosure. I, got, I started that several years ago, and I noticed that uh, a lot of the other speakers are now taking advantage of it and talking about their part of full disclosure. Well, full disclosure, come to Ken's archive and you can get the pictures. Well, uh, Brian, what, uh, how many kind of experiences have you had? Have you been abducted? Do you have missing time? Or? Well, I'm really, really fascinated by, by Ken's experiences. Um, no, I just had um, one sightings actually 10 years ago. Um, three days ago, three day, days from now, it was the 10th anniversary of my UFO meetup. I just had a, was a sighting where I was, it was 11.30 at night, and I was just walking home. Saw a small object. It might have been like 
two or five feet across, like roughly spherical, just going in a straight line, right at maybe 150 feet up, just <laughs> heading north to the mountains here in North Vancouver, and had no light, no sound, didn't reflect any light. It was going like the size, the speed of an automobile, so it wasn't it wasn't a balloon. There's no wind, so you know it wasn't a big emotional experience for me. It was just an object going by. It could it could have been something man-made, like uh, that we're not told about, like part of our <laughs> secret technology, or could have been a uh, was it was unidentified. That's for sure. No one's given me a conventional explanation for. It. I used to be an associate with UFOBC, and I wrote a description on on their website, UFOBC.ca. But nothing that that dramatic. It's it's just that I, I studied it a lot, and, but it's really I think perhaps the most important subject in the world. It's about our, our relationship with other planets in the in the galactic community, and I think the yeah the disclosure is a big issue to me as well. Like uh, the governments already know this stuff since at least you know 1947, um, and they're you know we, we just have to push for disclosure. That's what we really need. I think it would revolutionize society. We got free energy, all kinds of things if the truth got out. In fact, the governments have probably known since uh, 1897 in Aurora, Texas, there was a crash, and it was described in 15 different newspapers at the time in Texas. So it was believed to be quite a, you know, quite an authentic crash. And there's a body, and U.S. Marshals came that's, up with their wagons of the horses. Hmm? That's the one that hit the uh, uh, windmill. Yeah, that's right. It hit the windmill. Small town of Aurora, and Jim Morris actually interviewed a witness who was. Um, Seven-year-old boy at the time, Jim Mars interviewed him around 1973, so you can guess how old he was at that time. Um, yes, I think that's a real, real case. So the governor marshals took the, the the debris away and they left the body was buried there, but they said it's nothing here, folks. You didn't see nothing. And they took it off. So this was during the time of President McKinley in 1897. So the government, probably even at that time, <laughs> you know, might have known about extraterrestrials and had. No, actually had a down UFO, so it was even before 1947. Yeah, actually, if you, you get into a lot more of the research, you find out we've been visited, if, if not even part of our DNA has been tinkered with, uh, back to the um, Anunnaki and a few of the others. So there's a lot of research and getting back in ancient Egypt and all these. Find out that we, we've had contact with the aliens ever since Homo sapiens sapiens have existed. But more recently, the, the modern stuff is where we're we're entering into a phase where we're to be recognized as a sentient beings in the the intergalactic federation, if you want to call it that. Uh, it's a case of they've discovered that going directly to governments has not been very beneficial since all of the the people that become governors, presidents, emperors, whatever. They don't want to give up the power and control they have over the people. This is my personal opinion of it, of course. And uh, yeah, I agree to, with that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it, it's tough for them, but they're going to have to. We're at the point of full disclosure now that ETs have gone to millions of humans and made it public, so that back oh, let's go back into the forties. People would have panicked. Fact that they did that that movie, the the War of War of the Worlds, that um, was published. And so some people panicked and jumped off a building saying we were under attack by uh, by uh, UFO and aliens and stuff. Nowadays, you ask young people, and I think, oh, you, you think there's such a thing as uh, aliens? Well, yeah, sure. No big deal. You know, we're not the only ones in the universe. So we're at a point where society worldwide is ready for direct contact, full disclosure. 
Yeah. I mean, we just got to yeah. hang a little longer here. Well, believe it or not, that War of the Worlds when it aired did not cause any kind of problems at all. As a matter of fact, there was, out of the three radio networks that were going at that time, they were the least rated one of that day. And uh, there was no increase in hospitalization or anything like they said. That was all hype in order to boost up the replay. Oh, that's oh, the first so I've ever heard that. Deliberately hyped. Oh, so they deliberately lied about the hype you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yes. Well, I, that's the first time I've heard that. But uh, either yeah, way, I, uh, it shows that we get nowadays more people. More people are willing to accept the fact that we're not alone in the universe. That's the key thing, right there. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. That. that does make a difference. Uh, I mean, perception is what it's about. You know, it's all what you de- determine on your what, what you perceive as the you know. The correct answer. Uh, that's just about with anything. Yeah. Right. I think there's a Absolutely. gradual disclosure. I agree with what you're saying, Ken. But it's kind of a Richard Dolan describes it as a drip, drip kind of disclosure. Like on the New York Times, like December 16, 2017, they had a real UFO story from the from the Navy back in they revealed from 2004 called the Tic Tac right. UFO made the New York Times. So yeah, they're that, deliberately that, giving us some information. Yeah, that lended authenticity to it. See. Yeah. And, and, and they just recently said they changed all all uh, criteria for the Navy pilots to report UFOs, too. Now. Yeah. We're, we're going to see gonna, a difference in the next few months, I bet. You know, yeah. now, here's something that has come to me in the, this past year, and I've been saying it all along, is it's September the 22nd. And if it doesn't happen between now and September 22nd, I'll have to say would and find out why we aren't. But information that I got is that that's that's when an event is going to take place that will make it absolutely an absolute direct contact that worldwide will have to deal with the fact that we are not alone in the universe. And that you can – it's funny that um, – who was it that you mentioned his name a while ago? Um, oh, wow. Anyway, they've, several people have picked up on what I was saying as much as a year and a half ago, and that's September 22nd. So you don't have very far – very long to wait and find out if the information I was given is, is going to be correct. In fact, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but it's going to be uh, an, an event that uh, will be easily recognized by press worldwide. So keep your fingers crossed that the information I got is accurate, and we can keep moving forward with full disclosure. That's that's where I'm at. Well, I hope it is, personally. <laughs> yeah. I agree well, with what I, you're thinking, that the, the elites don't want us to know. Well, this go back thousands of years, too. Yep. Well, the main thing here is there's a little psychology involved in that, and that is, you know, if you get more and more mental activities, brain waves, they're all singing out the same information of disclosure, disclosure, full disclosure. I think that if we have the millions and millions of people that are thinking along that line, that in itself will be able to be picked up signal-wise and help make things come in, to, you know, in reality. Oh, yeah. I'm a, yeah, I definitely believe we shape the future. What, what we've done in the past and what we're doing now creates the future. That's right. That's what I'm <laughs> expecting to happen. <laughs> oh, well. It, it's kind of lonesome out here, oh, but I'm not by myself now. There, I say, other people. That's what we're trying to do: is gather them all underneath the same umbrella. 
There you go. Yeah, we don't. I'm not alone. Agree. We don't have to think alike. We don't all have to believe that you know that there's an invisible God out there. We all don't have to believe in this party or that party, but we do all come under the uh, heading that we believe that we are part of a galactic family. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. This would be something denied us, yeah. Well, see, what is today could be a big disclosure event, like you're saying. I hope it does happen September 22nd <laughs> when it does. Yep. Oh, you write, write it down. Write it down, September 22nd. Ken said so. Sure. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I know Richard Dolan said he felt, Richard Dolan said he felt, you know, a, a big incident could happen, which would blow it wide open. But he said recently now he says he's changed his mind. He said the governments are quite capable of uh, sort of just giving us a gradual drip drip at a time and they're trying to keep this information back so he, he thinks it's yep. probably not going to be a big incident they're just going to keep controlling it for as long as they can of course they are I, Richard Dolan I, I was told that he he even used the same date September 22nd that I published out so he, oh. he was, he's doing this part if it's real uh, well, what's the basis for September 22nd where the information uh, come from uh, part part of it has to do with the uh, the overall celestial alignment of the planets, et cetera, and you have to consider in on uh, galactic travel and what have you, and signals and things that are going on. It's, it 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 all boils down to that being about the best alignment of um, within our solar system and some of the rest of the galaxy. So um, I don't know how the the um, stargates, if you want to call them that, or portals work. Um, haven't gotten that far yet in my training. We're, we'll get there someday, maybe. I hope. And uh, maybe there are, there could well be other reasons that extraterrestrials have picked that particular time would be the best alignment within within our own uh, solar system here. So we we don't have to wait but just a few more months. What is this? The first day of May today? Something like that. So and June, tomorrow's for say June, yeah. Yeah, yeah tomorrow's June. Okay. Anyways, I'm, I'm, what do you, what do I'm you think of the theory that the Rothschilds are controlled by or reptilians have a relationship with the Rothschilds and sort of they decide or they control the Rothschild power structure? What do you think of that idea? That's my kind of my, uh, my current hypothesis. I've, I've, I've read a lot about that as well, and I am um, sure that the, the power, money controlling organizations and individuals and families and people. Um, have probably been in, in positions of control by more negative extraterrestrials that, uh, doing what they do. So I, I I can deal with what you just said as being probably true, but, uh, you know, we've got to have more information to go on. It's, it's a yeah, possibility I don't know. It's just my current theory. Yeah, it's my current theory, yeah. And maybe this has been going on for thousands of years, this control. Like they really don't want the public to – sort of have these, these riches, this knowledge, right? There's people with knowledge who want to keep it away from the public. Well, and the average the average person is more interested in uh, watching the sports. That's, after all, that's the way to control the population. Just they did it back in, in uh, Rome. You know, they, uh, they have the big gladiator fights and things like that to keep the people entertained and food and stuff, and then it'll be easy to control. Well, in bread and circus. Yeah. That's right. Bread and circus. That's right. There, you got the answer. <laughs> That's what we've been dealing with all this time, and now it's we're at the point where we, as a as a species, 
uh, are ready to be able to accept the possibility that you know we're not the only intelligent beings in the whole universe, and it does not go against religion if you'll read between the lines and take a good. Because I went down that road of becoming a a, a minister and the Reformed Baptist Church way back in the um, early 80s, well before the 80s. That was back in 1970. Oh God, 72, 73. Time gets away from you in a hurry sometimes. So, um, so I've done my my um, uh, uh, religious studies and um, trying to find exactly where things are and where it fits. And I and I don't find a, a conflict. Of course, you know you've got to be able to be willing to look into information and and understand that what you're reading is a translation of ancient text to begin with. So. I, I am a believer in the existence of a creator, you know, but um, I also know that I like the old story. What was it said? That, you know, if we are the only things in the universe, there's an awful lot of wasted space. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And the planet and the stars wouldn't have had planets that we weren't able to see until just recently. They Isn't weren't just up here as light, you know. Yeah, I think what would happen though is disclosure is the very nature of reality would be revealed to people. Like it changes the, the real nature of reality would would freak out the average person with their bread and circuses. Like there's other dimensions and not just aliens. Like there's other dimensions that interpenetrate with us with with portals and things like that. So it be could be quite overwhelming for people. Like I'm in favor of it, but it, once you yeah. give people a bit of disclosure, they're going to want everything. It's like with a Toothpaste to once you last the toothpaste out, you can't get it back in. So I think that's why they're, they're hesitant. And once they once they practice open, people are going to want it all. You know. I like that. I'm going to use that the, the tooth the toothpaste example. I like that. Yeah, but, yeah. Hey, I did too. <laughs> so once they close, they can't take it back. And it's going to really revolutionize the society, revolutionize the world if they really knew the truth about aliens. Right. Well, there's going to be people that have been uh, brainwashed and totally convinced that they they understand everything. We're all stupid. There there'll be uh, major problems happening worldwide. There's no questions about that. But uh, it's uh, it's usually is a challenge anytime that you're able to create and bring in something new and even electricity. Let's name it <laughs> whatever. Uh, it's it's not going to be peace and love instantaneously. It's going to have to be brought on, trained, and we all have to be able to move forward one step at a time and accept and know for the good of all mankind, all humanity on this planet. And, Let's see, and yeah, you still have to deal with what this reality is dishing out at this time. So, yes. So, I mean, you just can't step through the window and suddenly there's rainbows and unicorns and all love and everything else. <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing wrong with rainbows and unicorns. I know that sounds a little uh, defeatist, but it's it's the truth, you know. Absolutely. Now wait Absolutely. a minute. You're an artist. I've read your book. <laughs> I like rainbows and unicorns. Okay, I go back so to you, but God, don't attack my rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> well, that makes it a little easier for us to accept that. We haven't been fed the truth all along, and it's 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 people have to be willing uh, to uh, become educated and 
like, like I tell everybody, don't just listen and believe what you hear from somebody else. Do your own research. And this is one of the reasons why Ken's archive, if you want to, that's what they call it. Uh, you can go and do your own research and find out what has been hidden from uh, the world, if you will. And uh, then you can apply that to what you might already know, and that'll help you get full disclosure and where you can understand it. Right now, you, you go into what are those the, the, in the Philippine Islands? Those uh, natives that are still primitive, basically, but their their way of life has been destroyed with people that have come to investigate and look and see how they live. So you know, we we have all the way from primitive to advanced technology and people on this planet, it, there's going to be disruption with full disclosure. But if we know it's happening and going on, I'm sure that we can deal with it step by step, and it won't be overnight. The, the shock will be overnight, but then how we deal with it and how we move on to where we're all part of the uh, oh, the, the Allied Command and the Intergalactic Federation, et cetera. So there'll be big changes. We've been conditioned with sci-fi, science fiction, and the movies and the different things like that to, to make it where we can we can piece it together and say, wow, Hollywood knew all about that, didn't they? So some of it, I think they do. I think they do. Well, Ken, this is a good time How to bring up a Facebook conversation. Remember today, Facebook, and you had me, you said uh, about Facebook, you were trying to talk to me, and uh, I said, no, you haven't put anything on your page for a week. And you said, well, yeah, refresh no, was... your page. I said, well, I'm not an idiot. I know how to refresh your page. I will go <laughs> to your website. Remember, you said, well, go to my page yeah. on Facebook. That was a roadmap. Now, once, I... Okay, now, this is not yeah, me... being senile because we're in the senior citizens. But you want to explain <laughs> that because I know, Janet knows, people, you may think you're living in a reality that you can control. You're not. Now, I'm you're not right, a naysayer, right. but I am a realist. And I do know that the truth is subjective to your own personal reality and your connection, even to electronically and in cyberspace, because what you're seeing on your computer it may not be what someone else is seeing, and I've proven this for years. And now well, and I was told even deep level, level three at GoDaddy, and uh, I shouldn't drop their name, but I've been with them since 20. Uh, 1998, and he, I think he only started in 1996. I think he was still in his garage. Of course, now he's a multimillionaire. But this is what can happen to people that know the system before it gets taken over. Same thing with Facebook, you know. And let me tell you, you're being controlled. But I can't talk against the system because I use it. So that would make me a hypocrite. But Facebook, Google, Microsoft, all these companies, you know, they're different things for different reasons. But I use, and I have a lot of different names through the years, through all the emails I had on American Online. And I, I, for a long time, but even though I was trained in the Internet business, I didn't realize I was, I thought I was trained by American Online because everybody I knew was using it. But I thought the difference was in corporation. Now, I helped set up the Internet the whole time not even knowing I was being used to set the Internet up. Now, that's a whole other story called the World Information Network before it even existed. But I wrote in some of my books about Tim Berners-Lee and other people and how it all happened. But you think you're using Facebook. What you see is what other people are seeing. But it's completely changed from the beginning. 
And Ken was trying to tell me, I wrote this long thing. <laughs> and he said, it's right here. And then he tried, it wasn't there. So, folks, each person may be seeing Facebook and we're being fooled because it's just like sometimes you're looking at something and you can't pull up all this stuff I can. It's each individually numbered, marked, and all this. But I won't go into all the details, but you're not. Ken thought he was talking to the world. He wasn't even talking to me. <laughs> now, Ken, I'd like you that to was explain a big what shot. you're talking yeah. about. All right, I'm well, going to go let me, let me jump talk in here. about that. And nah, you stay in Okay. Um, yeah, I was absolutely flabbergasted because on my website, I was looking at the latest input that I, I have from different people, and, and then uh, TJ had mentioned it. Well, she says, I've been contact, kind, trying to contact you for a whole week, and you haven't res-. I said, of course I have. And, you know, that's the only way you can find out is somebody that you deal with, and you start going back and forth, and they tell you where to look, and you tell you what you've got. And we were going back and forth. My God, they had, they had uh, edited out the communications that TJ and I were using that would help us bring more information to the public. So, wow, what a shock. <clears throat> Go back to that, oh, good grief, back in the uh, 70s or something where you had, um, it, was a, it was a movie they came out with where the government, you know, they, they were controlling everything through electronics, everything we did, thought, and involved in. Well, you know, we're not too far away from that right now from what I, I've gleaned today. I, I really thought if I was looking at my website, that and she said, well, I'm looking at your website right now, too, and this is what's there. I go, but, 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 you know, with, I, you guys have got to start contacting each other and going through your recent, if you've been involved in these kind of things that we're discussing tonight, and check and find out. You may find out that a lot of information has been withheld from you so that you can't piece together some more of the, the pieces of this puzzle. That's where we are. And. You know, I, I got my book out just because I, I was trying to get it, that second book, and that's called The Regression of a NASA Whistleblower. And let me say, I did not choose the name that whistleblower. Nowadays, I think the term whistleblower is accepted a lot better because it's people coming out and telling the truth about things going on. So that's my second little book, and that was The Regression of a NASA Whistleblower. First one was Ken's Moon because um, I was revealing the dark missions of NASA and got the documents and records. It is packed full of all the records and documents and proof of this and that. So anyway, if you're interested, that's that's where my latest book, another one, two more of them are in works right now, but I'm so darn busy trying to keep up with TJ and the, the, the Allied Command. And I've got some new stuff that came in today that I, over in Europe, they have a whole gigantic organization. So anyway, okay, I'll shut up and listen to somebody else. I enjoy learning more. Next. Well, I, I think we're we're all learning. I mean, that's what this is all about, or I hope that's what this is going to all go yeah. is learning. You know, the more we learn, the better off we're going to be in the long run, if you ask me. They haven't turned <laughs> off our phones yet, have they? So anyway. <laughs> I'm wondering what people are going to think. Um, if they, say they discovered that human beings were made by aliens, like the white race, the Chinese blacks, that we were somebody's science project. I had Stanton Friedman on my show where he said he thought we were somebody's crop or somebody's peachy dish. I can imagine how religions would be affected by that. If people have, say, a strong belief in God and they discovered that some aliens created a different race for whatever reason, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago or millions or whatever. Uh, well, I don't think that's a good reason for secrecy. I still want disclosure. Yeah, oh, well, it boils down to... Yeah. 
it, it boils down to, to th- those that are in position of power and they don't want to relinquish any power and uh, they get control and, and it gets to the point where those of us that are coming forward, we're just, you know, cattle for the, for the hogs, you know, feed us to the hogs if they want to. So we have to, we have to be in force worldwide and, and pushing out the full disclosure to where the, and, and what you're going to hear, in my opinion, is the government's going to say, well, we've been, you know, uh, not H.G. Wells, I'm trying to think of it. We've, we've been trying to protect people because we knew that they couldn't deal with that. So you, you're just, they weren't quite ready yet. Well, okay, we're ready now. Okay. As many people are going to be ready. Yeah, we're ready. ready. Yeah. So yeah. at least at least all the people I know are pretty ready. Oh, I still got some wackos that says the earth's flat. And my quickest response there is, well, when you go out on your boat, don't go too far. You're liable to fall off. So <laughs> that yeah. works for me. I think We're disclosure is an issue. We should have marches in the streets for disclosure. I was at this march a few months ago. People were complaining about a pipeline from Alberta to British Columbia here. Just a very minor thing. A thousand people out there, but who's pushing for disclosure? We might get seven or eight people to come downtown with a sign for disclosure. <laughs> like, we we got to mobile. We're not mobilizing the public. Like it's perhaps the greatest benefit to all mankind if you have disclosure. Right. People are complaining about the Republicans, the Democrats, or the wall. Right, building a wall in Mexico is more important than disclosure. Yep. <laughs> so well, that's one reason. It's, it's an uphill battle, you know. That's why you can say that it's going to be not a, a um, cataclysm or catastrophic event, but it's going to be a worldwide type of event that you know you can't hide. That's the whole thing is when you've been going from one country to another and, and you know, in reality, uh, the different species of extraterrestrials, they messed with the, the Nazis, et cetera, and different things like that. Um, you, you've, uh, it's, it's going to take an open mind and to be able to be willing to, to listen. And, and the governments are going to do the best to try to keep us as peasants down on the farm and doing, you know, doing what we're told. But now I'm, we're not. I'm not doing what I was told. I I will say I'm doing what my mother said to do, and that was, you know, save the information because it's going to be important, and it has. So the rest of us, we've just got to hang tight. Hopefully, we don't get put uh, put inside prisons for being insane. Obviously, we don't. We're not very intelligent, are we? <laughs> well, yeah, how my IQ is right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've got a new. They've got a new. Um, um, not a vitamin, a new thing out right now. Uh, Savior, I can't think what it's called. I just saw it today where they're talking about two or three hundred percent more men, uh, ability with your mind. So, and if that thing is for real and not just a gimmick to get money, but it'd be nice to get our, our neurons yeah. and dendrites and things firing at the same time and working right. I have trouble with my memory thanks to auto accident, but the, the d- data is still up in there and I'm digging it out. So, have patience with me. We'll get it done. Well, I'll tell you what, you've brought, you brought quite a bit of information to me lately, and uh, and I appreciate that. And uh, hopefully we can get it out to as many people as possible. Uh, we are going to open up uh, the uh, ACO, uh, which is Allied Command Organization, and uh, we're going to start right. uh, offering memberships before too much longer. Uh, we're going to have an email that goes out once a week and then a bi-monthly uh, magazine, hopefully. And uh, for members, 
And uh, well, hopefully this all works out and we can uh, actually uh, grow this into a community that really wants to uh, find out what what can be done about disclosure and how to organize a way of uh, making disclosure actually happen, regardless of if you believe the all aliens are evil or if you believe all aliens are good or if you're just sitting on the fence. We'll find a way to include you in the groups. All three of those are going to happen at the same time. I mean – I, I've come across a, a book that I've got in my hand right now I'm looking at, and it doesn't have a date of publication or anything else on it, and I'm beginning to wonder if did I uh, – was I involved with this book? Because it's got a lot of stuff in that I've been privy to, and um, but there's no publication dates or information in there, and I could look at it and say, did, did someone or did I in the future bring it back to this time? Because I was uh, looking for some books in my own little library. And this darn book was just laying there in the middle of one of the shelves. And I, where the heck did that thing come from? And I'm so now that's I like thing. that. I like that you're open-minded. I, I know you get mad at me for breaking in, but I have to say I'm proud of you, Ken, because you've accepted that you probably were a time traveler and you came back to find it, just like John Titer with the IBM yep. machine. <laughs> well, and I've had a long and, talk and, with him. <laughs> and whoever it's just a matter of time. Like yeah, it's just a matter of time Bell. until I can. Yeah, and it's ahead. a matter of time until I can get this all put into uh, rewriting things and getting it to the point where everybody else can take it from where we are now and it has to do with Starfleet. And uh, I'm going, whoa! So you know, um, it, I don't know. It's an old book. That's the problem. Is how did I wind up with this very very old book with with no publication dates or. or print dates or who printed it or what have you. It's just like, wow. So that just happened in the last two days. And so I am so busy trying to – yeah, it's weird, and I'm trying to do my best to get things together because TJ's, TJ's prop, popping the whip on me, being sure, all right, you need to focus on this and get that going. And she keeps me going in the, in the right direction, and I appreciate that. Well, it's true. You may be in Florida. We, we have a thing going, don't we? No. She lives in Florida, and I'm over a thousand miles away. I'm over here in a little, little I'm in town bondage call. and domination. I've got black leather on right now with a mask. You can only see my eyes. And I've got this big black quilt and real tall boots on right now. Yeah, I look like I should hey, what be you, real tall. I want one of these guys, to, one of these guys, to step in and take my place because I'm not going to stand in the way of a whip. You can handle that yourself. You guys are getting off, getting off track. You're getting off track. He's there kidding, you go. folks. He's kidding. I know. I'm passive. It's fun. I'm not even passive aggressive. I'm just passive. But now yeah. I had to stand my ground. But you know, when it came to getting in the weaponry, now I'm not saying I don't know how to use it in a past life, but in this life, yep. I chose communications versus weapons. My husband handled all the weapons in in our group at the ACO in the Allied Command, and I got to do communications. But I was an ambassador from the time I was born, but I had to learn how to come and go from this planet. I'm a bilocator. That's my newest word, by the way, to accept that I have other dimensions that I can see flashing like a time traveler. But we're trying to learn the words to put these conscious groups together to talk to each other. So that's why tonight was about our conscious humanoid beings sharing Pure consciousness and group being a reality together into our organizations of co-creations. And I call this the exposure to disclosure 
So they've been talking about disclosure night, which is a word that a lot of people don't even know what you're talking about because disclosures, if you want to disclose anything, you've seen it written in contracts. It's a legal term. It can be used for a lot of things. But usually with the Allied Command, the UFO Association, we're, we're discussing either aliens or uh, UFOs or extraterrestrials or ancient uh, aliens, I guess you'd say, or ancestors, ancient history and new thought teachings blended together, which was my mission statement when I got it direct from the extraterrestrials and the people I've worked with. And some of them come down here in human form, and some of them tell you what to do, and it's up to you because free will still reigns. Now, some of us say we've had agreements, especially in the ecologic field or in our past life regressions. That's why they say most people that believe in the alien and UFO field believe in reincarnation because Many of us go to these groups. Now, I've never been to a UFO Congress or a UFO uh, MUFON uh, event, although the 50th year has come up, and I'm really happy that uh, Jan Harzan has been so uh, open to you know, receiving the money to run a nonprofit because it's one of the hardest things I ever did, and I didn't get paid for it. I was doing it out of the goodwill of my heart. But now he's doing it and getting paid for it, and I understand, I think, Roger Marsh, I think he's still there with Mutual UFO Network, but most people are doing it free out of the goodness of their heart. And, and all these nonprofits learn how to get us into charity and hobbies and fellowship because we all need to be needed, and we all want to feel like we're something bigger and part of something greater than ourselves. So what I'm doing is learning from all these groups I've been in giving my 15 to 25 or 35 a month, and then I said, if I'm going to give that much money every month, after I was trained, I was the president of Civitan uh, International, and the CEO of the entire world corporation called me, and one day I was looking at my baby book, and I found, I didn't think I'd ever heard the word Civitan when these people approached me and the government to run it, but when the guy called me from around the world, I got to looking into it, and I went back in my baby book and found in the sixth grade, now anybody that likes intelligence work and how the world works with extraterrestrials will appreciate these nonprofits. The Civitan International paid for my sixth grade uh, graduation from my elementary school. And in, I don't have my baby book now. I don't have the, uh, my, uh, I know that uh, Robert Wood would have loved to have my, my notes that Stanton Friedman wanted on my Majestic 12 notes. You know, the the book, uh, NJ12 book I had, but uh, I would never give it to him, <laughs> and I wouldn't give it to Richard Bowen. <laughs> but these yep. are stories that could have been told to you guys. But now, uh, Linda Bolton Howe has one. So just if you want to know about the book, uh, go to Linda Bolton Howe in one of hers, and you'll see her talking about it. But my code name was Magic. Okay, but get this, Ken. Civitan International is a wonderful nonprofit. They have the uh, uh, Children with Disabilities uh, Olympics, and then they put these little money boxes around, and I used to be one of those with my little groups that go around and put the money boxes for your peppermint candy with your pennies and nickels. But I used to run a big chapter, and I, I went to Memphis, and I had the Hilton Hawaiian Village when I was a kid, but... Um, well, in the 30s, but after that, I was trained at the Memphis Hilton, and we started the Authors Book Club with uh, Bill M. Tracer, and he do donated a book to me, and he came on here for years, 
And then he got uh, with a man and got him on Zazzle as, a, as an artist. But we got lots of free members out there, but we're not charging anything. We haven't been for seven years. But now, because everything's gone up and they expect us all to work free in social media and post all this stuff, uh, but to work together, we're going to have to figure out how to pay the bills because I'm now retired as of 2017, as as, as is Ken and I'm mad almost. We're old people, but we're going to come together and form this so we can help each other. But what I need you to know is there's a lot of groups, a lot of competition out there to get you in your hobby and your association. And I was born into this, but can you imagine a Civitan International? And I thought I was, I didn't even know how to spell it, much less be in charge and be trained to run a nonprofit, just an organization for them to start a whole new chapter. And I did. I paid my dues, and I got trained, and I went and stayed in a hotel, had to pay my own $100 room at the Hilton, but I didn't know. So I found that little book, and it was a little, uh, it was shaped like a yellow Easter basket with flowers on that old yellow construction paper on the inside. If you all remember the <laughs> purple color stuff when you went to school in elementary in the 50s, they'd roll it and make copies of a page. You roll it, put the ink oh, in yeah. it, roll it with your hand. <laughs> you remember those roll us up on that gelatin, that gelatin, yeah, where you'd have to lay it in that tray of gelatin stuff, lift it off, and that was our copying machine. It wasn't a machine. It was transferring the image. I know. Uh, uh, it was amazing. I had forgotten all about it. Well, we're going to try to I, learn that, right? We're going to try to learn how to run something that using the sure. Internet. But we got to remember that just because you think you're putting something on the Internet doesn't mean it's going or people are getting it or even looking at it. So yeah. I'll get back off here, but I had to tell you that we're trying to put this together. We're old people, but we still have some energy in us, and we'd like to yeah. invite you guys. And we're yeah, gonna, so Amad is sure for yourself. to figure out how to do this. Well, Amad, he and, uh, works for another company, Mike Reenley out of Kentucky, where I used to live, Ken. And he's been running Re uh, Revolution Radio with Ken as a manager for years. Him and uh, Willow and Dreesen, wow. they both hired me. I had to go through a two-hour by myself thing, and it's still out there on uh, Revolution be Radio. Before that, I ran a, before that, I ran a 10-station uh, 10 network uh, called Be More Radio that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, a lot of the radios don't exist anymore. I, I, one thing I want to try real fast here. While I was researching today, um, and all from the books that I was getting to, I wound up in the Internet, and I came across the Supreme Allied Command Europe. That's this, the S-A-C-E-U-R. And uh, I, I almost think it looks to me, with all the flags of the different countries in Europe that are all part of this Allied Command, and uh, it, it kind of sounded to me like, in fact, there's even an American flag enlisted and all these other flags sticking up there. Um Maybe if that's for real, they've already doing in Europe what we are starting to do right now to try to bring uh, America, Canada, and the, the Western Hemisphere here um, about direct contact and the Allied Command. So, you know, a lot's going on at the same time. Maybe somebody can check that out because yeah, <laughs> they had a fantastic ceremony for a new Supreme Allied Commander, and he winds up for Europe, but he's an American. Now you go figure that one out. Uh, it just happened today, TJ. I don't. I didn't have a chance to tell you about. We got to check it out. <laughs> okay. Well, that is well, our government, and it's and uh, uh, secure. I think what you're seeing is the military forces that uh, my husband and I worked out of Europe in the European theater, 
when we were in the intelligence community, when we wore uniforms and out of uniforms. But me and him mostly well, traveled out of uniform. But uh, that is these the are one in, that uh, this is they're in Air Force Gettysburg. uniforms. He worked for yeah. Shape. Yeah, this, but these I guys most of them most of them are old. Most of the guys in this, and I look <laughs> at pictures of them, they're they're older people. <laughs> but, so, yeah. Well, Bob you, you said you said something about us being old. DJ, you said something about us being old. The answer there is no, no, no. Hey, I'm only seventy-seven. Okay, uh-huh. that's what I'm only seventy-seven, and and I'm going to live to one hundred and eighty at least, so I'm still younger. So okay, <laughs> so you got to think positive on how long you're going to be here to help help create things and help things work in the right direction for all of mankind here on our little well, planet Earth. Well, the U.S. Earth. government made. Now, the U.S. government made me an ambassador and you an ambassador, and I'm the Cosmos ambassador, and you're the solar ambassador. And I want you to send that copy to Ken – no, you are Ken. To, sorry, folks. To Ahmad, which is Thomas Becker. Tom Becker. Oh, he did. He's going to help me run the Amiga, which is the Ace Metaphysical Institute Graphic Arts Department. It's called Amiga. Yep. It's our logo, and we've got that. And – we're going to run that worldwide because we're the three amigos, right? Ten four. <laughs> the three amigos are the amiga. Si, 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 señorita. Now, I want you to go back in your history and explain to Mad why us being ambassadors in the government all our life to get people in space is important, and you've got to travel. So did your wife out of country, and so did I. But can you explain a little bit of the ambassador program with the solar ambassador and how they, you, you know, tell tell the world, not just the man, what you did. And I'm going to yep. go on mute as a solar ambassador. Okay. There you go. Well, that's very interesting because NASA came up and they were looking at ways to get information about what we were doing in the universe and what we were discovering and going to the moon and, and Mars and everything going on. And they, they hand-selected a few of us that were not afraid to stand up in front of a bunch of people and talk, which can get kind of funny for some people. It gets weird. At any rate, uh, we were uh, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory also has a very fascinating history about it from all of its contacts and um, what's the guy's name? Anyway, you guys know who I'm talking about. Anyway, they uh, they created what they call the Solar System Ambassador Organization within NASA and the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Well, I was picked, and I was to cover the territory from New Mexico, part of Arizona and Colorado and, and Oklahoma and Texas. Well, I was from Houston, Texas, and Louisiana. Anyway, um, our job was to to go to organizations no, and clubs and churches. You asked me. Say it again. I didn't hear you. That's a good idea to have regional type uh, person well, it, contact. You know. Yeah, it was a, it was a good plan, a good idea, and it was pretty good. But um, it was interesting. I ran into a few people that were giving talks at the same time and they just didn't seem to be up to speed on some of the stuff that I knew and I was talking about. So uh, I, I have my badge, you know, NASA and the governments, you always have to have a name tag or a badge. And I've got, I fortunately kept all of mine for every year. Uh, well, up for only four years from 2004, five, six, and seven, which uh, designates the fact that I was a solar system ambassador and has, I have a number as my code number, <laughs> all that fun stuff. So the, the people, the debunkers, they go out there and try to discredit us when we come forward with information. They um, they were up against a brick, uh, a brick wall, and when they, they get the same documents and records thrown right back in their face, they well, uh, it's kind of like the flat earth thing. 
you ask them, people say, you know, well, that the earth is flat and all. And I say, well, you be careful, you know, on your boat, you're going to go out and you're going to fall off the end of the earth yourself. And uh, this case, they can't, they can't, uh, can't control us for one, because uh, the truth is already out there and the documents are true. And so that's where I am right now. Um, and I did send, um, Imad, um, copies, I think it should have it now, uh, of these, these, um, few badges I had a solar system. I guess it's interesting that all of a sudden I find my old badges and things and I look at it and I say, I'll be doggone. I was called a solar system ambassador way back then. And that's basically what we're doing right now is we're being ambassadors for getting the truth out and full disclosure. So that's, that's my badge. I'll wear my badge at each one of these functions I go to and talk out from now on so they can look at it and say, well, I have the full authorization of NASA and the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. That's my power. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, and did did I? Yeah, I did. I said uh, somebody can check this out and find out if it's for real because I went through it pretty fast, and um, I'm I'm not convinced that it's. I'm convinced that it might not be full military because they look like uh, the ones in uniforms. They're old folks wearing uniforms, and that's uh, the uh, Supreme Allied Command, uh, the ACU of EU of Europe, AC, the SAC of Europe. Space, Space Allied Command. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, that just happened today, this afternoon, just before we got on the air today, and I haven't had a chance to research very much on it. Anybody else want to jump in there and bring us up to date? Testing one, two. <laughs> I, I know nothing about it. I haven't haven't noticed it myself. Yeah, I don't it, know. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how long it's been posted in there, but I stumbled on it. And must have been a reason why. So maybe, maybe if enough people are listening to us, they'll they'll all check it out and find out. Because in reality, well, we're, that's we're, a lot of what yeah, we're we, doing. We're doing. Yeah, we may we may want to uh, check them out and see how they're doing it and what's worked for them and what hasn't. You know. Sure. Well, that's these publications that I have uh, that I don't know where it came from. It it uh, the information in there is perfect for me to plagiarize, if you will, in order to help create our. Supreme Allied Command here on planet Earth in our side and just bringing all these splinter groups in together because the way I'm looking at this, they all 30, 40 flags or 20, 30 something, I haven't counted them yet, of different countries all over Europe seem to be involved in this uh, Supreme uh, Allied Command of Europe. Interesting. So Things are happening fast. It's coming in time for full disclosure, and I'll keep pushing as hard as I can. How about you? Well, well, I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'll go back and read. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I just I'm trying not to step on you, but we keep starting off at the same time. You guys, you pause just long enough. That's all. Go ahead. Do you think it's a, a possibility that we might have to offer? Uh, immunity to the people who have been keeping us in, in disclosure. Or well, now when you say when you say we authorize it, those of us that are here listening and talking about uh, tonight ourselves, we're ready, willing, and able to give you know um, immunity. But uh, if you're talking about governments and organizations and things that are controlled by the money, uh, the chances of us being able to get them to promise um, because that's what they've been doing all along is is shutting people up. That's what men in black were all involved in, shutting it down, keep control. So I, I, I can hope that enough of us have come forward 
that we are safe, and this will be the opening to allow those generations of those with the power and control to be willing to step backwards and say, no, it's time for the truth to be out and time for the full disclosure. So um, it's all happening right now, and, and we're living in very interesting times. So next person, jump in there. I'm going to shut up. Uh, well, I, I think maybe since 2017, more disclosure is happening. But I'm interested in the, um, the secret space program. Like Gary McKinnon made the biggest hack in world history, 2001 and 2002, and he discovered the secret space program. George W. Bush was president when had deep consternation about it, and Prime Minister Cameron, you know, was asked to extradite him. So, is this, so it really seems to be a very true case that he discovered there's like spaceships right. larger than a football field in orbit and sure. they named eight of them after the uh, members of the majestic 12 and they got probably bases on the moon and mars and maybe these starships can actually go to stars right and even right. the possibility that the stars i read one article that star trek may have been kind of fashioned after this so i think it's perhaps to me the most exciting thing is that no, it's the relationship now between human and aliens. It used to be just the aliens that we would see them buzzing around, but now they have, they've been having a working relationship for maybe 50 or 60 years or more. And so it's hard to tell, you know, the, the mixture of aliens and humans working together, this big sort of globalist behind-the-scenes network. So it kind of changes yeah, was, everything. Like world politics seems like a shell game or some kind of ruse. I, I guess I'm very fortunate because while I was at NASA Johnson Space Center, it was the Manned Spacecraft Center way back when, and this was when um, uh, they had the German – German uh, what was his name? Werner von Braun. Uh, Dr. Werner von Braun was there, and then uh, there was also situations that were going on, and, and I was privy to part of this, and this was um, um, with uh, Do- uh, William Tompkins, Bill Tompkins. And uh, I was at one of the meetings, a couple of meetings where he was at, and actually uh, I was with where we made contact with uh, the um, alien women that were helping work, helping him get all the information and facts out that was coming out under uh, Dr. W- uh, w- Bill Tompkins. So th- there's some more of that event that I was involved in that at the time I didn't think that much of it. It was just what we were doing, and we were being paid to do, do the job we were doing, but now looking back and say, son of a gun, I think I was in contact with one of the the, uh, the aliens um, that were giving the information that helped us get to the moon and back. We're 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 not alone in this universe. We are we are about ready to step forward and take our place as as an in, hopefully an intelligent species. That's I think Earth has been a an experiment on seeing how we could mature and yeah. not destroy ourselves. That's the biggest problem. And that's that's what you were so just did touching you work on with thing. aliens? Like, did you see them, uh, but you didn't recognize who they were? Oh, I didn't realize they were aliens. No, I didn't. But now looking back at what took place and getting some yeah. of the life stories of some people, like William Tompkins and things, reading his book. They look like and, us. And say, the ones we worked with say, at NASA were, look like us. Uh, haven't you established that, Ken? They look like us, right? Because yes, I yeah, had to go absolutely. in and out of there to meetings a lot. And I yep. know that I was called an Amazon or a Nordic when I was, even when I was a <laughs> yep. teenager. I had to learn what that meant. So uh, yep. the hardest thing was to realize we weren't all blonde-haired, blue-eyed, because I was yep. a brunette with hazel eyes. But my hair oh. did turn white, and you saw a picture of me today. So you yes, know – You've seen me with long white hair, and I, he said, I said, I've got it over there in the drawer. He said, what do you mean, you're a wig? I said, 
No, I cut it off and I colored it red because <laughs> I looked younger. But that was there funny today. But uh, when it I was, was young, I was a brunette. But I was disappointed because people expected me to be uh, – this is pre-Billy Myers. This is in 67 when I made the paper, Houston paper, going to Washington, D.C. And I had on my red yep. velvet outfit with a cowboy hat. I'd met Sonny and Cher at the airport, and it was uh, it was very important for me to learn Dulles, the name Dulles. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes. Dulles Airport, Houston? Yep. All right. You can tell yeah. about all our Houston CIA, Houston International, NSA, CIA, all the alphabet soups that we got a whole bunch more now. And when we go into space, the Space Force, uh, I strongly recommend you go and read our space the last article I did about us going into space, and it's going to be 2020, 2024, but we're all getting organized. And, yes, a lot of us have come and gone, and I don't want to be killed. I used to be called a walk-in and then a uh, what they call it? Let's see, uh, a walk-in and then uh, a hybrid and then a cyborg. And now, uh, of course, I was always called an ambassador from 67. <laughs> I worked with NASA, so in the government, and my, it took about six months, I guess, to get my clearance. But uh, 20 years later, I got rehired and went to Langley and Tyson Corners, the Stainwigger Hotel, and met some of the tall whites in and out of Navy. But they made sure I needed to see the different types of aliens. But then I didn't work with them knowingly with their ET abilities, except when I was called to uh, up there where we went, uh, Beth Page, right, Grumman, and uh, Montauk Point, so the 60s with the yep. portal, right? And then you and I bounced forward. right around, so, very close to, yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to throw Beth in here, yeah, people don't, um, they don't realize how much of an alien you are. You're, you're over 5 foot 11 inches tall, which <laughs> makes you a little bit taller than the average. Uh, my wife's only 4 foot 11, so that lets you know. And of course, us little people can go any place you big people do, and we don't bump our heads. So, but no, I was um, I was um, amazed when we met the first time just how how tall you really are, and that just means that you got a little bit more of the DNA, I think, from the extraterrestrials than than some of the rest of us did. Does that sound fair? Well, it Come may on. or may not be a thing, but I've got brunette. But my husband was only five seven with black hair, brown eyes, and. Uh, he was uh, worked in Germany a lot, found a lot of stuff Hitler left underground. I've got a whole bunch of stories about World oh, War yeah. II and the French underground because we kept all those avenues open over there in the intelligence community. But uh, when I saw Brian, <laughs> when Ahmed introduced me yesterday or day before yesterday, he's a Buddhist, but he has black hair and looks very German. Now, my relatives were Irish and Polish Jew in Poland, on my mother's side in her book, and she was a publisher and a writer in Houston. But the thing is, I was recruited because of, I think, because they knew I had skills. And uh, the men in black came and got me, the guy that smoked a cigarette, and uh, pulled us out of a James Bond movie, me and my boyfriend, a James Bond movie. I don't have his gold finger or another one. But they hired, I wanted to know if we wanted to work with them because we were just getting out of high school. So that's why I used May 67, but I was recruited the year 65, I think, and I had to wait till 67. But I was twirling batons and fire batons, 
and they appreciate my extraterrestrial abilities. So we wound up at NASA, but I was just called in. I had to get the clearance just like my husband and stuff, but they didn't give me a paycheck. And then when I was in the Navy, they gave me. Whoops, got cut off. Uh, yeah, I'm happen. sorry. Uh, oh, you're back. I'll, uh, okay, I'll shut up. I'm giving out too much information to people probably on here, so I'll stop now. So <laughs> they only give it in dribbles. But uh, anyway, we're, I've, I should put my story all together and connect the dots, but I don't know if it's <coughs> too early in that. But uh, yeah. anyway, there's that, a lot I of just stories learned, out in the last seven years. Yeah. Go ahead. I just learned something new about you, and that was that uh, uh, your mother was an author, and my mother was an author. My mother took the family history going back to the, this, the Whites and the, the Samuels and, and to the Davises, and it wound up, the name of the book was Please Assassinate My Brother, and that's all about Abraham Lincoln and Jefferson Davis. So it, it's interesting how our background uh, has come to play and what part we're involved in now. And uh, so I'm, I learned a little bit more about you today. How about that? Something new. An author mother. Hello. <clears throat> we didn't go blink, did we? <laughs> Yeah, still here. <laughs> yep. Okay, well, that's good. You know, I mean, what you're saying is interesting. You know, it, so. it must be in our, our blood, in our blood, or the DNA that we inherited that uh, made us lean towards being involved in the things that we're well, involved in, as well as chosen by extraterrestrials, right? That in, was William Tompkins' book. And the only author is a poet from back in the 1800s called James Wickham Riley. Other than that, there is no authors in my family. Well, that, that, that's that's a harder one there to be a, a poet. I think that's even harder than just us write down something that would happen. That's amazing. I like poetry. I try my hand Good. at poetry. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to you'll have to add it into one of your books. About the alien talking oh, in yeah, poetry. I got a book of poetry out on the internet called uh, "Scream of Colors." Uh huh. Yeah. So, <laughs> kind of strange oh, well. title, I know. <laughs> I'm gonna There's have some to strange my... poetry. <laughs> if you ain't We're awake, you won't books. understand half of it. <laughs> okay, uh, TJ's you have up. to be smart to understand. You have to understand poets are different creatures. I'm mad. I've tried to be a poet from time to time, and I never could get that deep in. I think I'm too logical. I can't get that deep in love. Now, I'm an empath, and I'm a precog, you know, and I told last night, you know, about right before, or that was on Janet's show, but I was talking to uh, that guy Briggs uh, out of Florida, and I'm in Florida, and uh, they, I guess we had too many speakers on tonight, but uh, the th- the thing was, uh, I could know something before it was going to happen, sometimes years before. And my husband used to be amazed. I could find things before we ever got there, before we had Google. And he was always amazed at how I could get his places. And I could see things before they happened. So Minority Report with uh, Tom Cruise, I related to that. And I realized uh, Total Recall and a lot of Philip K. Dick books. I thought he was talking about me most of the time. I couldn't believe it. So, you know, I'm well, different, and I know it, and I'm okay, and I'm uh, doing who I am. But, you know, I used to be very out there, friendly, and traveling the world, and learning about 
people and never knowing all of it was training so I could wind up doing what I'm doing today. And that's really bringing what people call disclosure to the forefront. But, you know, we had exopolitics, me and another Alfred Lambermont Weber in Africa and Alfred in Canada, right? And uh, it was, first of all, it was me and uh, Jesse Marcel and uh, Don Berliner, Roger Moore, and uh, there was another guy, and uh, uh, Rick Doty was working for the government. He just did what he was told. And then uh, my man and my husband working in the government thought, thank God when uh, uh, I went in uh, Bob Lazar, I thought they were going to let him do it. <coughs> and then I was in on a big meeting uh, when we decided to put Stephen Greer in there, the intelligence committee. But it's all been controlled. It is disclosure, but it's controlled with certain people. And uh, Richard Dolan was in Rochester, I believe, living there. I think Karen Dolan, she came on my show, and Richard. But Richard told me I could use his name and any of his stuff any time, and he meant that, and so did Stanton Friedman. But, Brian, I'd like to hear from you. You dropped names like Graham, uh, uh, I always mix him up, Graham Hancock and the other uh, what was the name you said earlier? Oh, Grant, Grant Cameron. Grant. I mentioned him. He was here in Vancouver. I spent like 10 hours with Grant Cameron. But yeah, Grant Hancock, I just recently saw him here in Vancouver about a month ago. I did, did a video about him. But uh, yeah, I mentioned Grant Cameron. And actually, Richard Dolan stayed right here in my apartment in 2014. He was giving a talk in town on the modern knowledge juice. I did a video with him right here as well. So I know I personally just emailed with him a few months ago. With Richard Dolan? Did yeah, Richard Dolan. He, 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 he did it. Yeah, is Richard he coming Dolan's. on your show? Yeah, I've had him on my show. Yeah, great. Yeah, I think but, he's uh, one of the very best. You, him, I think him and Linda are two big influences right now. But I did a video with him right here in 2014. But he, well, he says well, a lot about the secret hmm? Yeah, when did he stay in your apartment? You said he was just, when was he at your house? Yeah, right in my apartment. I gave my bedroom. I slept on the couch. He was here on the Modern Knowledge Tour. So I, I had my UFO meetups. So I was helping to host them. So was, he was here for a couple of nights. So we did a video. It's right on, on YouTube. It filmed right in my living room. It was, it was, it was around midnight. I had to feed him. He was getting hungry and tired. But it was a good talk. Sounds good. I mean, is it recent Sounds or good. in the last 10 years? or when did you No, it was 2014. Then? It was in June, so exactly oh, five years recent. ago. That's recent now. Yeah. Uh, the way things are moving fast now, that's recent. He's a, he was a well, long-haired guy then. Are you still on YouTube? Are you still on YouTube? Uh, yeah. Oh, I've got hundreds of videos on YouTube. So his his videos on my YouTube channel. Yeah. Well, what's the name of your YouTube channel? It's just my name, Brian Rue. It's the Brian Rue channel. R U H E. Yes, and it's on BitChute oh. as well. I got fifteen hundred videos on BitChute, so I'm on both YouTube and BitChute. It's Brian Rue. I didn't know. Rich, did you work with Richard Dolan, or you just because of your UFO? They only come to you about UFOs. Or tell us the history. You well, I've had my UFO Richard. meetup. Yeah, he was just staying here because I was I was helping to host the event and hosting guests. So I got Richard Dolan. That's how we met in person. But I've got his books I've been following him for years, and I, read, I learned a lot about the Secret Space Program from him. That's why I was going to ask, like, Ken, like, he, Richard Dolan suspects the Secret Space Program has probably been going on since maybe the 50s or the 60s. So all that time during Apollo, they may have had 
advanced technology oh, yeah. like American-made flying saucers from Area 51. You know, while they, while they have these that was the hardest jets. hardest yeah that was the hardest thing for yeah. me was to because I thought that I I really knew everything that we were doing and what was going on because I was right in the front of everything testing the vacuum chambers and and the spacecraft and all that and I thought wow I'm way on the front edge of of, of everything and then suddenly start realizing that there's a secret space program that actually started all the way back in well uh, Eisen Ike Eisenhower President Eisenhower and um, yeah. so <clears throat> and then when you look at um, things that were used with submarines that were used to become um, space type craft and the ways of getting them uh, and above Earth's gravity gravitational pull and all. there's so much that has taken place behind closed doors that it's hard to get the average person to be willing to uh, step away from the edge and falling off the, the, the flat earth, you know. They, it, it takes takes a little faith and a little bit of uh, open-mindedness to then start gathering information. And, and I'm, i got to admit that I'm relatively new at being able to um, piece things together and starting to come out of the closet, if you will, and um, yeah. put together things that I had direct experiences with and find out, son of a gun. I, I think that I was so close in and being – selected to be parts of some of it but then i think they figured out that i probably wouldn't keep the secrets too long and that's probably the reason that i didn't uh, wind oh. up going to mars <laughs> but then the question is did i really go to mars yeah but now that's brian i want to uh, while i've yeah. got you on here with ken and me because uh, Ken and I are, are trying to help Ahmad, and Ahmad's going to be our general manager for sure of the station. But uh, you are already on a radio show, aren't you? You come on. Ahmad says you're right before Janet Lesson's show on with Ahmad. Right? Yeah, I'm Tuesday night, 6 to 8. That's right. I'm Revolution Radio. been there a year and a half, as well as my YouTube talk <laughs> so show. So you know yeah. Janet? You've been, you've been working with Janet uh, Lesson because she comes on right after you? No, I've heard her. I, I've listened to her talk afterwards. After my talk, I sometimes listen, but we haven't met. I haven't talked to her. But I like she's into alien abduction as well. I like her talks and her guests, you know. I'm always looking for guests, too, yeah. Oh, okay. So you're That's... looking for guests and you talk to her. But Ahmed's the one that introduced you to me just on Skype just shortly. So uh, I was surprised yeah. you, you came on uh, the show right before Janet, and you talked to her. Uh, what, on emails or in person? Have you been on her radio show? No, it's been a year and a half. We, we've we never met at all. I just I see her name, and sometimes I listen to her show, but I never contacted her. Maybe I'm painfully shy. That's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Okay. It takes all but, types of us, doesn't it? Yeah, see, Matt but, introduced me to you, you see, a few days ago. So. <laughs> well, I, I, well, like I said, um, we're we're all – searching for the same thing and that is to get disclosure up and rolling and, and I agree. Uh, that's right it's important it's, that's the big D yeah else we do you know in our lives we still have that in common you know, yeah I agree yeah I do believe it has something to do with our consciousness too like you said at the beginning of the show there you were talking about it being a, a conscious uh, awareness uh, once we do for whatever reason we're, we're not at the right uh, we're not focused right, and when, until we get so many people focused in the right direction, we're still going to be tagged with this reality too much. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
Yeah, reality's much faster. We're kind of divided. <laughs> well, apparently you know something because you worked with Richard. So tell uh, – Mad brought you on here because of your, your your UFO experience and running meetup groups and YouTubes and I guess getting with Richard Dolan and Graham. Tell me about Graham and Richard and your involvement because uh, it was actually Dolan that knew about me talking to him about and Stan and, and Richard coming on. Uh, but before he had his radio show, and then uh, he had his Friday night show. But he and I talked. He uh, later on he was having Jim Mars on because Jim Mars was followed me and knew me too out of Texas. I was an investigator, and he was I think an investigative journalist. And then Daryl Sims was an investigator. So we were all out of Texas. And and uh, Richard Dolan told me he was so excited because Jim Mars was such a good friend of his, right? Or no, no. He yeah. was not a friend. He hadn't met him or nothing, but he uh, he said he admired his work. And I said, well, he's followed me. He reads all my stuff on UFO Digest. And then one of our other friends that's on here, Ahmed, uh, you remember the guy that comes on here and we promote him on Aerocop? He, he, he sponsored Jim Mars, too. And Jim Mars was working with him and the uh, science fiction writers group. Remember when we were – do an Aerocop, but Janet didn't like that. Remember the Aerocop name? I don't know. Name? I don't, you remember, I don't remember the guy who was on Aerocop? The one that we talked about well, the science I remember, fiction writer. I remember the club. situation, but I don't remember which one. You talking about Bruce Maccabee? No, but Bruce Maccabee helped us start the ACO with the Alien Contact or website. That's the one <coughs> that we came on with a guy out of UK to make it international. Richard something, I can bring him back, he runs a UFO group, uh, Richard, darn it, and uh, by Jim. I think it's Richard website. Pope, Dick Pope, oh, no, I'm thinking Nick Pope, that's, I'm sorry. That's Nick, that's Nick that's Pope, Nick. Yeah. yeah. I know Nick, yeah, Nick, Nick Pope, yeah, he moved to California, yeah, I knew him over in the UK when he was running one of the uh, branches. He was running, uh, what the hell was he running? I forget. But uh, Nick's gone Hollywood. He moved out to L.A., California. Like, you know, Rick oh, you might have been and, talking uh, about Nick. Yeah, Nick. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He don't have a last name. <laughs> yeah, he does. Oh, I know. Oh, well, it's oh, Nick Redford. A name like Nick, Pope. Nick like the Pope. T-O-P-E. Uh, he's he's one of the co And Nick Pope he's and what? Nick Redfern. There's two of the British. Nick Pope and Nick Redfern. He's a co-host yeah, for Wendy's Granada Forum. Yeah, yep. and then I don't know his last name, but he'll he'll call my show once in a while. Hmm. Has he got a British accent? Well, Redfern is into the money level, and uh, Nick Pope's into the money level, and uh, Rick Doty is like a consultant too out there on the back end, right? But he got into the Mirage Men with Richard Dolan, right? And Linda Moton Howe. That's a good story on the. Uh, I can't ever think of the guy's name. One of the big stories that, uh, but I, don't, I think Rick got a bad gig because he was just doing what he was told to. But now Lorian Fenton had him come over to the uh, her group. Uh, what was because she does a MUFON group up there. Got involved. But what was that big one they had? The UFO uh, Megacon or something? Are you familiar with it, Amad? Because Lorian still works for you, doesn't she? No. The Revolution. I've never even been to one of them things. It was called the Me- Does Megacon. Does Lorian still do a show? Does Lorian Fenton still do a show with with you, Amad, on Revolution, on for Mike? 
I couldn't hear what you were saying. I said, does Lori and Fenton still have a radio show with you and Mike Ringley? Lori and yeah, Fenton. she comes on. Uh, Noreen comes on right after my show on Monday nights. Noreen. Now, who's Admit Noreen? I, don't I thought that's Noreen who you is. asked about. Lorian, L-O-R-I-E-N. Oh, yeah, she comes on before my show does. Lorian Fenton does, okay. yeah. Now, you remember back in the day, Mike had talked to me and emailed me about uh, going with his company, and then he, y'all hadn't even hired Lorian yet, but I knew about it and stuff. But Lorian went with you, Janet did, and Janet was talking to somebody else in Pennsylvania or somewhere, and then Lorian did Lor- because she was – who was she promoting? She, was, she came on my show she and never promo- done any radio she, show. She was promoting Douglas show. Dietrich, and we told her the only way she was going to get a show or you know get him on the air was if she'd done her show herself. Oh, I'd like – I, I was given I was given a warning I was given a warning about uh, not coming on the program tonight because of somebody who was a direct contact with Nazis and I go really <laughs> so I I'm here I obviously I didn't listen who could so. that be I don't know <laughs> it Boner von Braun as far somebody as I'm concerned uh, so it it an- oh yeah 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 my kids got a note note from somebody. But uh, what, what do with UFOs? It, yeah, tell me. Well, <laughs> well, no, if you want to go follow that, that line. Oh, okay. you, you, you need you need to get into what's been going on down at Antarctica. I mean, let's face it, uh, a whole lot of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, um, right. oh geez, come on, help me out, out here, this. Apollo Eleven, I'm Neil Armstrong, Buzz it. Aldrin. Why? <laughs> okay, stay out of it. Um, what the South Pole? I've had Richard Allen Miller on my show a couple of times. Uh, he comes on, you know, once every month or two. I have him on, and uh, he's been down there. He's actually oh. seen the Nazi face there, and has actually also said, uh-huh. "Just turn your head a little further over. There's a 15th century Viking ship sitting there." So oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. There you go. What is doing there? The place has been known for some time. <laughs> yeah. Well, Linda Moulton House been talking about that recently this month, uh, Antarctica. There's these like 64 acre bases two miles under the ice. So it could have been, the right. ice has been there about 33 million years. So she's had a few whistleblowers <laughs> just on her show, like the, the May 15th uh, show just on Wednesday, about a week, I guess a week and a half ago. Uh, she's got whistleblowers on the show who worked there who've been there around 15 years ago. So just an amazing Any story. These huge, big black yep. ball site carved stone structures there at room temperature. You have any idea why Buzz Aldrin panicked and had to be <laughs> medically taken out of the South Pole? What, what would have caused something him to? Scared, something scared him to fill his pants, didn't it? I yeah, think so. No absolutely. So, now that's yeah. Um, that. Yeah, and that we have. Let's see. Uh, who's our other guy that? He, he's seven, every bit of seven feet tall. Oh, Brad, uh, Olson, yeah, Brad, Brad Olson. Uh, he and uh, they were down at the end of uh, South America, and I suppose they were supposed to. He and the young lady were supposed to have given uh, been given a trip on over to Antarctica. So the, the more information is being leaked out slowly, but uh, about the, what was really discovered down underneath there, and having to do with craft. Uh, alien spacecraft yeah. and uh, alien bodies and 
Oh wow, it's it's fascinating to get involved in doing that research into there. So I'm I'm game. Yeah. See. Bring bring it yeah, on, bring it on. Also, uh, he, he's a good good uh, interview. I like a, him. He used yes, to be kind of show up, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. That was before he went on the trip. When when he got a chance to go on the trip, he quit his radio show and went. Oh. Yeah. Now, what about some I'm of the sure, others there? I'm sure there's Corey some Good. information, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you got Corey Good and um, a couple of the others. Interesting stories, if you want to get into that. But um, I'll I'll stay out of it, personally. Because I, I know these guys pretty well, some of them. It, it's it, it's mm-hmm. amazing the people you come in contact with when you're you're – Kind of sitting out here as a, as a sitting duck that other people take shots at. Then yeah. you wind up meeting some of these. I mean, uh, Linda Moten Howe and I've known each other for golly. We moved, when did we move here? We moved here in 1998, wasn't it? And it was probably 1999 or 1998 whenever I, I got to meet her for the first time, and um, then uh, met her at the National Press Club when I went there with, uh, um, you know, Richard C. Hoagland. So, you know, you once. Once you've made contact, and I'll say it with the inner circle, then you've got to kind of figure out, okay, which side of the circle are they on? <laughs> In my case, I'm just yeah. There I'm must just, be mis- misinformation from the government motive. They, the government would have to be putting out misinformation because the whole purpose is to stop disclosure, right? So there's got to be there's got to be like Antarctica is such a mystery. There's probably some truth and some lies mixed together. It's yeah. so hard for us to swirl outside the halls of power, right? right? That's controlled yeah. disclosure is what it is, has been. It's been yeah. controlled disclosure. And, can, but when we hit, and misdirection as well, right? <laughs> and misdirection, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So, Well, that means that we, we still have a job, don't we? we? Our job is to stick with the truth and get and keep the, the truth flowing and those that do have it to because they can come forward now that those of us have come forward and stuck our necks out here. They can just come right on along. But you got to look out for – the wannabes that want to come out and tell somebody else's story and act like it's theirs or piece together other people's several people's stories and yeah. tell it like it's theirs. Cause there's some, some really well, and they're getting paid pretty good to come tell their, their fake stories. And that's about as far as I'll go as identifying any of them, really the way it is. Yeah. Like guy, guy at TV, I think it's called like Richard Dolan, just the recent weeks, he's saying, well, Corey good is probably making all some of this stuff up. It's not good for ufology, you know? Like uh, the, oh. the idea of twenty and back, he's been on the moon for twenty years, and then they regress him, so that he, so yep. he hasn't aged at all in twenty years. Then he's and, back. And so it's kind of hard. Can't remember the names of anybody. Yeah, and he he can't remember the names of anybody he was there with. So, well, if, he, if if you're an alien and you can do that, what do you need other people for? <laughs> Good point. Good. Yeah. Point. I still have a I still have a damaged memory, so you know, but I'm. I'm doing the best I can with what I've got left. And then yeah, he should back. know the names of all the presidents of the United States for the next 20 years. But he says, well, we were told that the Earth was destroyed. That's what they told us when we're on the moon. Oh. So it's kind of convenient oh. that he doesn't really know world, world politics, what's going on in the world. That's yeah, wild. so I have difficulty believing it's for good. And then a self-reinforcing? Self-reabortion? Did you go self-reabortion? Is that what you said? Self-reinforcement. Oh, enforcement. Yeah. I think it's what I thought I heard you was offer, funnier. You offer proof that can't be proof. Yeah, Richard yep. Dolan says we have to have proof, at least to know someone's credentials. At least you know if they worked in the military or the Air Force or Navy during that time, what their job was. Credentials like that, you can't just make stuff up. You just have to have some evidence. You know, It has to be evidence-based. Yeah. 
Same like myself. Right. I mean, I mean I got... of course, you know, most most things about UFOs, if you took it to court, you'd win. You know, because yeah. yep. I don't think Richard they, ever you know, vetted me. You don't think who? I, mean, I don't think Richard Dolan. I don't think Richard Dolan ever vetted me. You know, he didn't. Uh, you know, he never really you. talked to me in, in depth, really. Talk to a lot of my guests. Story. I see him on air. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, I mean, a lot of these people in the UFO business don't talk. have any clue who I am. They they don't have any clue who I am. And uh, you know, this one girl, this up and coming girl, she doesn't even use her real name. And she wound up in November wanting to run all my UFOs, came in and asked one of the girls that me and Ken met to uh, come in and run my social media, which is free, on Facebook, right? <laughs> and uh, she bugged the crap out of uh, somebody on it, uh, Patricia Bullock, I think. And I was all appreciative that she wanted to come in and help me and everything. I didn't know who she was from Adam, but... I don't know who they are out there in social media land. Where you, you think their picture and their name is real. But uh, she would never give me her computer or her home number or anything, so I couldn't vet her. And yet, uh, finally, I get her, kept bugging her to call, and so she got on Skype and called me and said she rarely, she had cancer and she rarely had any time on the computer because, you know, her family and living in Phoenix area, because she wouldn't tell me anything about herself. And uh, then I found out her name wasn't what she used. But now uh, she had talked to Earl Gray uh, with MUFON, and uh, Earl says he was responsible for getting Jan Harzan on her show, but she told me uh, she was going to make me famous and all this stuff. But she was telling everybody that kind of stuff, and she made a, she made up a questionnaire that everybody answered, just like we did with Free a long time ago with uh, when Free came out. You know, we were all helping them, all of us. So, you know, we'd already learned our lessons sharing with MUFON and giving them information, so at least people had a database place to give them all the data. But when Robert Bigelow came in and wanted to buy the files, I think they only got – I was in there at the time uh, – you know, trying, they were dropping my name as a, a group investigator. But I think they only got 35000 if I remember correctly, or was promised 35000 And that's okay. Bigelow was trying to get all the data he could, you know, as a researcher and also putting stuff in space as a government contractor. But he had lots of money from those hotels, right? He ran what, that's, I forget which chain it was, right? You know who I'm talking well, about, right, Robert Bigelow? I know, but that's what they do. They attack the the individual, the debunkers do. They they, go, they start off as being your friend, and then you find out that they're just gaining enough information to try to go out and and discredit what we're doing and what we're saying, even though we have documents and proof. And that that's how we control and, and not control it, but how we can stand up against that type of outside, um, um, well, government. Um, people that are trying to keep the, the facts and the information from getting out there. So I think we're all headed in the right direction. I I'm, I'm appreciate um, thanks to TJ. Uh, what has it been now at three, four years? Well, we met each other way a long time ago, but I mean, most recently over there in Texarkana where we were. And uh, it was quite an experience there to <clears throat> run into to people that involved and that are willing to step up and tell the truth, tell it like it is, give us the information, and the rest of us can 
piece well, the pieces people together. People don't realize that there is safety when you get out there and get exposure, because then people see you. They're out there. You're in their face, and if something does happen, it's known if something happens. You know. Yeah. That's yep. true. Yeah. Well, I was in Houston in Mobile, but I and I've been in Texarkana, but I think when you went to pick up Karen, Patrick, and Brett Shepard and move them out to Mexico to help you right. write your book is Texarkana, right? And that was that 2014? You're right. It was um, um, the other one, <laughs> Mobile, Alabama. That was where the big event was, and that was quite a, quite an experience. Enjoyed that. Got to meet some really fine people, and I must say that the people I have met worldwide that are out for putting out disclosure and telling the truth and experiences, you know, we can piece it together and find out we can make a rather interesting truth story about what has been taking place and um, trying to keep the information out. Who's been the ones that have been um, messing with messing with us, as, and those that are willing to step forward and and help make it a reality, so that we are ready to take our place in this this whole solar system and and this particular time zone and time period. So we're we're at the beginning of some very fascinating times. And I'm I'm really excited that I'm part of the living in the in the is it the presence the future or the past one or the other I'm I'm glad I'm able to work with people like you guys it's a real pleasure well, so I can shut up and it, listen some more well what do you think I'm Canada thinking of free that? energy though mm-hmm, go ahead. think of preempted what That's Canada right? Yeah, I'm just yeah. thinking it's like the government is controlling things like free energy. They have the, the, the bodies, the wreckage, like a dozen down craft or whatever, stuff like that they're holding back. Like they probably had free yeah. energy for the last 50 years, which could really turn the deserts into gardens and revolutionize the huge benefit to society. I agree. So that's what we need from disclosure. So it takes governments to do that, I guess, because um, like they could have like global – you know, a legal structure. So if someone in India invents freeze energy, they can find, well, there's a patent in the United States. You can't develop that because we own a patent on that. We're going to keep it down and prevent humanity from having it because there's kind of globalized legal structures that can prevent things like that. That's that's one of the problems without yeah. disclosure. I've been saying for years we need a patent review board, and uh, they go in there and they check all the patents that are being held back from people, and if it benefits mankind, yeah. As a as a human race, it should be open yeah. source. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's, so it's, it's, that's, that's one of the big happening. issues with disclosure. It's happening right now, right? And we're part of it. So, uh, thanks. Yeah, I thanks think for the big question is you. the internet. You know, we're t- we're talking because the internet. So much information is getting out; they just can't suppress it. You know, just so much like a floodgate of information. Oh, they're out there. We know because we told you how TJ and I we we were talking about what we just sent each other on our Facebook or wherever and. It got erased before it got to the other one. So they have their um, they have their they're building a huge one here just outside of Los Lunas, New Mexico. I mean, a unbelievable size, many many acres of solar power as well as uh, the the recording devices and everything else. It's going to be taking care of everything uh, that uh, is going out on the internet. So it's going to be right here in my back door. Well, I don't think already... this be. I think I can with me being a. A cosmos ambassador and you being a solar ambassador, I don't think any humanoid in the in the five star pattern that's a head, two arms and legs should apologize for anything because we're all mixed races. So I don't care. Yep. Like my granddaughter's got melanin in her skin. She's 
half Indian, black, and German, and English, and these kids, we, my mother called it in our country the browning of America, but I don't think yep. anybody, and my husband was German and Jew, I think, but, you know, people can't help, most people that are German are probably Jewish, just like Polish Jew, but I don't think anybody should worry about the names they're called or their their heritage, because you right. take the uh, 46 chromosomes, and that's 23 and 23, and mix them together, then you may have 46 different species that are making Good. and blending the people for billions of years. And with all my past lives, I, I happen to know that's pretty much the truth. You can try I to told talk about it, but go ahead and prove it. Yeah. Did I, I told so you what I happened to me when I was giving a talk. Yeah. CJ, I told you what happened. I was giving a talk to a bunch of kids in, oh, probably the, the fourth or fifth grade. And I, I told him, I said, okay, I'm looking at all these different nationalities. And I say, okay, what I, I'm Scots, Irish, English, French, Apache, and Cherokee. What does that make me? One little boy put his hand up. I said, you know what? He says, you're a mutt. <laughs> I said, no. <laughs> it just, it makes me an American well, because nice that's what we're looking. Brian's okay. nice looking. I asked Thank him. You. He, he looks just Skype, like my right? husband. <laughs> no, you're, no he, you said you were 6'3", right, Brian? He's tall. Yeah, well, actually, when I was younger, I had problems because I was so good looking when I was younger. It was really actually causing difficulty for me being so good looking. I'm managing better now because I'm 59. Yeah, they can't see you. Oh, you're the same. Were you born in 1959? Yes, born December 31st, 59. 59? Oh, my God. Go back to 42. Same age. (laughs) My husband was born in 59, the commander. This show that you came on oh. is the Allied Command is the is the uh, logo and brand of my husband's uh, fleet. He was a fleet commander, and so was I. And oh. I had to give up my command in Hawaii, uh, so because there can only be one Supreme Allied Commander on the planet at a time. And so I had to give up my uh, position so to him to run the fleet on the planet. You know the people that work like what uh, with uh, with uh, the entire world between the European theater and here in Australia and all of them in the uh, business. So now I'm uh, willing to have the TJ to be the supreme Allied commander because <laughs> I'm I'm willing to step back real easy and, and let, follow the direction of the leader and you're the leader and I'll be a leader on the, the next row whatever you need to do and we'll get the we'll get well, it all out the facts and the truth. Go ahead. Well, I stepped down so uh, and moved from Hawaii over here. Of course, Hawaii is the capital of the world for spooks. They love to go to Hawaii, right, between Europe and Japan, <laughs> the Pacific Rim, right? <laughs> but, you know, people coming and going from the planet, most people don't have a need to know, nor are they interested. They're too biased and bigoted. So they all yep. fight amongst themselves over politics and religion, which doesn't mean jack and space. Only here. Right. Some of our people come down here. Now, I have to admit, some of the people that come down here, they may, because of their past lives, get into like Catholicism if they liked it, or they may get into Buddhism, or they may get into Muslim, but that's their choice. It's not forced on them. And some of them up in space, they may go over, and I've seen the huge city ships where they have uh, parties, and some of them have the rooms where you can go and uh, practice if you want to do a, a Terran tradition, that's on this planet, a Terran tradition, you may go, uh, they actually have a room like a church, right? 
So right. uh, it's up it's up to your traditions in space, but you don't have to live like anybody on this planet. Does that make sense? You don't have to conform, but they come and go, and they learn some of the old. I mean, this would be old, or depending if you're coming from the future or the past, depends on what your timeline is and the dimensions. But uh, Brian, what what would you think Richard would think of me since he doesn't really know who I am or my background? But you don't either, do you? Yeah, I guess no. We just met two days ago. It's, it's uh, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I guess um, his, his main focus is like government documentation. No, that's why he's got like a, a degree in history. So that's how he's so knowledgeable. He's got one of these steel track memories. He's been studying this stuff for twenty five years. So I guess he he goes lot lots just by evidence and documentation. What was he really open to other other dimensions and life after death and rebirth? I, I think he, he definitely believes in all of that. Really? Because Karen came on my show, and she gave me the impression that she was more into that and he wasn't. But maybe that was back 10 years ago. Or in, uh, but they were when I met uh, them, they are, she had little kids. But I think his kids are grown now. But I was going to tell you another clue about people like me, Brian. We're not really time travelers, but we don't know how to talk to people on the planet that see, come and go or that live here. And so when you're talking, 2067 could be as simple as 2017. I, I don't know how to explain it to you, but it's not the reality that you think you know is not the reality that most people in the universe live in. Only those down here in the matrix yeah, are inside that, yeah. this Even on the Internet, people think that they only know. Even my kids on their smartphones, they think they know what's going on. But all of them are programmed for the individual. It's all subjective. It's all relative to the individual. So that's a clue, and I'm trying to teach Ken that this is something because I haven't cared because I've been dealing in my what they call uh, trauma with people because I came here to learn also emotions because uh, we, we got rid of all the emotions thousands of years ago in space and different areas, especially in Andromeda. But uh, out in the universe, different universes do different things. But when you come back here to use your container and you learn emotions and how to feel again, because it, things get to be too logical. So what I compare it with is there's a lot of places out there that have really advanced using computers and things that they've totally programmed in the uh, zero-point energy all the energies out. And you can make anything you want. You, you don't have to. You can stand and make your own clothes and your own everything. It's amazing. So really, you don't even have to be here if you have pure conscious reality. It, I think here we call it going back to the source or the back to the all because everything is outside of the. On this planet, they call them uh, photons, and uh, you know they they broke down the microcosm down into the smallest words. So. I'm trying to do my best to not give out too much information too fast because people just think you're crazy if you don't speak yeah. your Buddha reality. Cosmology, we have Davis, like the Buddha, he describes six heavens within the central sphere and the lower heavens can't see the higher heavens. He's got this detailed cosmology. The Buddha describes in the first heaven there's Nagas, which is a type of Deva angel, which are um, reptilians. This is one Buddhist theory. Because the Buddha said they can shapeshift. These reptilian Nagas can actually take on human form. The Buddha gave examples of this. So that's part of uh, Orthodox Buddhism, the idea that reptilians are a type of Deva called Nagas. 
So the, the, there's these various dimensions of devas, and they can take on whatever form they want. That's why, to Buddhists, the first heaven is a realm of flying things. So um, some UFOs could be devas because people have seen UFOs changing shape while they fly. So that could be a deva. But describe these phenomena yep. as big, vast, like a kilometer long. And I have a friend, uh, uh, Martin Jassic here in Vancouver. Stan Friedman said it's one of the ten best UFO cases in the world. It was the Yukon UFO, this big kilometer-sized UFO around 1996 in December. And, and there's a video on YouTube called Yukon UFO he describes this. So in Buddhism, these are just devas flying around having a good time with the Ramanas, and they can kind of phase in so you see them, and sometimes they disappear on the spot without going anywhere. So Buddhist cosmology explains that, that there are these higher dimensions and levels of devas, and beyond the devas are the Brahmas, which are the vast godlike beings, and Nirvana is beyond that. So, um, yeah, it's very hard to, uh, we're three-dimensional beings, it's very hard to even imagine what is going on. So that's why ufology is so complicated to us on a three-dimensional level. I understand that. Like, I'm not enlightened. I just study this stuff. I haven't experienced much. That's good. It's, but it's, if you can stay open-minded and not, you're very open-minded, but you use some drastic realities when you speak to different groups to get a reaction. Is that sort of what you do on your radio show? Or well yeah, but I do have a I have a Buddhist worldview, like um Buddhist cosmology is my way I actually I actually believe this stuff. Like I'm a religious uh, Orthodox Buddhist, so this cosmology is something that we really believe in also in the ghost realm and the lower realm as well. So yeah, ufology does fit within Buddhist cosmology. Buddha even describes like the human realm would be on other planets as well. He Buddha actually described the galaxy as an island universe. He used that term, an island universe. That's what a galaxy looks like. So it's quite astonishing in 5th century BC he would describe that, you know. So we use it's fascinating. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah oh, when are we going to get this religion? Now, when are we going to get together again? Wonderful. That's what I want to know. Who's going to set this up? Well, and hey, get Ken, together I want you on my show, free. too. Yeah, well, I'd love to have you on my uh, show, Ken. I'll look up your Ken Johnson archive. <laughs> it's S-T-O-N-J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N. Go ahead. Oh, Johnston. Yeah, Ken R. Johnston. J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N. And Mad can give you the information. Mad's had him on. Oh, have you been on a Mad show yet, Ken? I don't know. Okay. I, I well, don't know if I had, have or not. Yeah, we've missed Monday. I, uh, it's not been convenient on Mondays for some reason. It's whenever Ken wants to, we'll get something together. And uh, it's sure. on late at night, uh, uh, 10 to midnight. Depends on where you're at, of course. Well, it's always Eastern. That's what I use. And it's just after 8 o'clock Eastern here. Eastern in Georgia. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, Ken, uh, you and Ahmad are working together, and uh, right. Brian works for Mike and Revolution. And uh, Brian, I understand you've had four million people or so. Janet ought to be really interested in what you're doing on your show before hers, yeah. because Ahmad says you're getting tons of uh, hits for three years, right? If you're into radio, that is. But what else? I mean, yeah. Ahmad, you're the one that wanted him on here. He knows a lot of stuff, right? And a lot of people. Yeah, firsthand. Well, that's, that's why we were saying we needed to talk to him about UFOs. He's got a lot of knowledge here. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks well, Brian, for taking me, Emma. It's great to be on the show, yeah. Well, you'll well have I've to, enjoyed uh, it. Keep, 
You'll have to tell us who all uh, you know personally. Now, can you put on a Mads uh, Skype that YouTube with you and Richard? Do you have one with Graham, a YouTube? I, I prefer to look at people, and I'll sit up at night and study my uh, alienology. I don't call it ufology. I call it alienology. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I can send you know, you the video of me, Richard Olin. I can I can send that to Mad now. Yeah, it's right on YouTube. Yeah, you know how to find it quicker than we do. I know people tell me. Oh that yeah, all I can find it. Yeah, it takes me so long. I'm not real educated yet. I've got a lot of YouTubes, probably 20 to 30 YouTubes with my name on it. But I didn't do much. I just did what they call uh, trailers for books and for uh, events or people. Now, I did make one with Ken in it. Ken, there's one out there. I think it's on Alien or uh, Allied Command. I don't know what it's on. It may be Allied Command. But a mad, a mad Brian... Brian knows how to do all this stuff, uh, so he was willing to help technically, weren't you, Brian, to help Ahmed help us with radio and YouTube stuff? Uh, yeah, sure. I've, I've made about 2,000 YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah. YouTube is basically all I've been doing. I haven't done much uh, just audio. I mainly just do video. Uh, I'll just keep on flying your spacecraft. Uh, you guys going to have to teach me yeah. well because I'm – Go ahead. I'll shut up and listen. No, I asked. I was talking to you, Ken. I was saying what? Go ahead, Ken. You were saying what? Well, <laughs> I didn't hear you. I, I, I said I, what I said was you, you guys are the technical know-hows, and I'm, I'll just keep flying your spacecraft for you, and uh, you help me get get um, Skype open mm-hmm. and the other thing. I couldn't get Skype open, and I know I've got. But the problem is, is the memory. I've forgotten what the codes and things are. I've got to get those written down someplace to where I can get in there. So um, I, I could take a little tutoring would be a, a lot of help, and I'd appreciate that. So, well, and patience. Ahmed is the Skype person, but Brian, can you use Skype pretty good? Are you a Skype person? Oh, yeah, I, I use Skype. I interview people with Skype or, or uh, Google Hangouts on there with a Google live stream. I'm doing a live stream tomorrow at 10 a.m. I do one every Saturday at 10 a.m. my time. Ooh. Oh. Is that 10 a.m.? I'm not even up on Saturday. Yeah, 10 a.m. I have Pacific, to start my Pacific Standard Time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, well, we can work it out. We can work Ahmed, it out. Ahmed's going to start. Ahmed, I hope you're going to help me and Ken do Allied Command with uh, what what Brian's talking about and run. Ahmed's going to run what our website? technical in this country. Right, Ahmed? He's going to help Tell everybody the website no. so they know where to go to find out what's going on. Okay. Okay. Somebody's going to have to edit some of this out because we're already going, what, uh, 17 minutes over time. So. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I didn't pay attention. And It wasn't a very long show, I guess. All right. I apologize, everybody, for running over. We'll get together. We're going to do uh, aliencontact.org. If Janet comes back, I'm not sure. If she wants to still market after her time's up, her seven years will be up officially June 3rd. But we had to make a decision in May, and today was the last day. So Ken and uh, Ken and uh, Ahmed are going to be the directors for my company now, and I run my profit and nonprofit under articles and bylaws. So if anybody's interested in joining the three of us in communications, 
that's what I do for my extraterrestrials. And so, Brian, if you're interested in my group universally, you, uh, I'm sure we can get along with Buddhists because I've got a lot of friends that are Buddhists. And I've been called a Buddhist sure. by myself, and I don't even know what that is. You teach me the Buddhist language, and uh, I'll teach you the, well, we do ESP, so I don't know how to teach you ESP. I'll just have to show up with you, and we'll work on it or something. It don't work too well on these. Yeah, we can talk talk later, sure. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Imagine. Ahmed, you keep in touch so we don't all lose. That's Ahmed says that's his job is to get all of us different people together, and he wants to keep a group together this time, right, Ahmed? Our thought conference. Oh, I hope so. There's many of them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Somebody go and check out that. Yeah, go and check out that thing I, that I told you I just found this evening, and that was the where the hell did it go here? The um, Supreme Allied Command Europe. That's the S-A-C-E-U-R. I know all about it. I know. I'm trying to tell you. I know all about <laughs> that for years. You have to get my attention first, then I listen. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm the neophyte here. <laughs> well, yeah, you so, are. Okay. If you Good. think that's new, Good. that's like the Supreme Headquarter Allied Expeditionary Force. And that's okay. part of our, our, our global international government. But, uh-huh. I mean, you don't know about the history after the Second World War and setting it all up and stuff? Y'all didn't have to have history of the commanders. Okay, we'll, 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 that's, we'll get together that's on that, that uh, the tomorrow the next day. Too. I think well, you're right. I think Dwight you're right. Eisenhower, okay. Dwight Eisenhower did that, okay? You're right. And they had the Supreme okay. Allied Commander in Europe and Atlantic. But, yeah, that's, yeah they just, but we're not trying to be in uniforms. We're not getting paid. No. Nope. That's it. Allied Expeditionary Force, but we're we can, what you're saying is remember you were you were uh, uh, you were Marine and I was Navy, but I had to I had to get trained in what they call joint. I worked for yep. the advisory committee, the advisory council, and uh, out of NASA was uh, I was public relations and I was uh, with extraterrestrial, like the people like uh, having to work with ETs and Ben Braun. It's like I was born oh, yeah. during the Eisenhower administration. No, who was the guy? Uh, I was born in December 26, 1951, in this body, in this container. But I had We're going to have to add an extra 30 minutes. <laughs> We're already pushing right, well, over 20 is, minutes. <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about me and, and all that stuff. But, no, that's just the but Supreme Court. But, yeah, but that's just history I, of a military group. That's not us. That's a... In uniform, when okay. you're on the planet, they work with people off go. the planet. Though there's that was yep. Bob Dean, remember? Yeah. Do you remember Bob Dean? They, Does, let me ask Brian. I Brian, do. do you know who Bob Dean is? I remember Bob Dean. Yeah. He just he just passed away, almost, worked, didn't he? Yeah, he was our member of that with Shape in the European Theater. Me and my husband were yep. in and out of Paris and. The, the State Department kind of stuff, and that's all I'm going to say. So love and light, everybody, and we all work love together, and in, whether you're in uniform or out, and uh, if you're on this Sounds planet good. or other planets, you just maybe Amen. didn't need to know or didn't want to know. Watch the Men in Black movie. It's not that far off. <laughs> it sounds like sounds like we have a good group of people that can work together, and I'm and I'm glad of that. I'm be glad to be a part of it. All right, thank yeah. you guys. Have I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Great to meet okay. you all. Good all right. to talk. Yeah. See you again. And, all right. Take care, guys. All right. Yeah.
Brian, thank you. Yeah. Ahmed, thank you. Bye-bye. Keep it going. You're doing a good job. All right. Bye, everybody. Good evening. Good evening.